Beats, Brews, and Points of View is brought to you by Dream Over Reality Media and sponsored by Arctic Circle Brewing Company. Don't forget me when I'm gonna want you play my favorite song. Only love me when I'm gonna want you put my record on. Do you know how it feels when a cage burns light? Do you know how it feels when a cage burns light? I went to Cali five years and got put on the shelf. I came back with a motherfucking story to tell. I took a whole lot of shit, but I ain't taking no L. I came back with a motherfucking story to tell. At the party next to Oprah and I wasn't even tripping. That right there should let you know that our perspectives is different. The life I live is the type of shit you couldn't envision. I'm next to Dre and Puff while Russell Simmons taking the picture. Check it out. They be like, Connor, why you want to be independent? Because I got tired of sitting there watching the rich get richer. Dre told me be a boss, live up to your potential. So cut out the middle, man. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Beats, Brews, and Points of View podcast. I'm your host, Neil Richter, sitting with my partner in podcasting across from me, Eman Bates. The PIP, that is me, and we are in Plymouth Studio City for episode 126. Yes, sir. Um, that, that intro just really rolls off my tongue now. I don't even have to think about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like second nature at this point. We're what? It really is. Come on now. We 126 episodes 126 in. 126 episodes in for sure, yeah. Um, anyways, that was, it's actually very funny that we got to start the episode off with that um, song by John Connor because we were literally just talking about him. What was it, on the last episode? Maybe it was either it was on like the last or the one before that. About how you know we thought that he was going to be a bigger artist than he was, and you know E Man thought that he talked. That was about like his one prediction. of my. I love John Connor, one of my favorite like local. Well, I mean, he's not a local artist, mind you, but my one of my favorite Michigan-based like rappers for yeah. sure. Uh, though I did have a bad take and say he will be bigger than Kendrick Lamar in 2011. I did but what say a that. perfect song, though. So that, However, by the way, that was that was a story great to tell. song. <laughs> yeah, like that was a great song. I remember, like, I got hip to John Connor around like the Vehicle City. I think it was like Vehicle City album. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, man, because I know he got picked up around Aftermath not too long after that, if I'm not mistaken. Because yeah. I remember I saw him. Like, he was in the BET Cipher, I think, the year yep. either that year or the year after that. And then I saw him in the studio with Dre and everything. And I'm like, John Connor going to be that guy, bro. Mm-hmm. And I, like, he was a fucking monster. I saw he up. Uh, you know what's funny? I've talked about Chiodos twice this week off mic and then now currently on mic. And I was talking about, like, the video. You ever seen uh, Craig Owens bring John Connor on stage to uh-uh. perform with him uh, when when they were uh, when Chiodos was a thing? No, that's tight, though. Yeah, man. That's that's kind of when I got hip to him around that time soon time too it was like that same era so shout out to john connor man i'm glad he's uh i'm glad he's making music i've always been a big fan of his so yeah that's yeah. off his second independent release by the way sos part two um that you can go catch on all the streaming services the song that we just played is called story to tell um those lyrics are very fitting for the conversations we've just had because he kind of describes uh his relationship with moving to california and signing to dre and all that shit and being shelved and all the the hypocrisies and trials and tribulations of the music industry. So. I mean, the music industry will keep saying it's really, it's, I mean, I've, there's talent involved in it, mind you, but it's not really about talent. It's about markability, and it fucking sucks. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. But anyways, we got a big show for you tonight. Uh, coming up on the program, we have some beers to review as well as a concert to review. Uh, we say goodbye to some folks and also celebrate more life. Um, what strange disorder did Justin Bieber just come down with that forced him to cancel some shows? Uh, what popular Netflix show has brought an 80s uh, artist back onto the charts? 
Uh, there are some television shows and some movies that dropped that we've been anticipating that we want to talk about. Uh, we'll discuss the Rolling Stone Top 200 rap, Greatest Rapped Albums of All Time list that caused a lot of controversy in the hip-hop world and on Twitter over the last few days. And in our household. In our households. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, where is the messing Black Star Drink Champs interview? Um, a beloved Detroit artist finally gets long-awaited long royalties that we'll speak on. Hey. And then lastly, we will cover something old and something new to wrap up the show for you tonight. I didn't mean to snicker at the Bieber thing. It's just how you worded that was fucking <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> like, just, just for the record, guys. <laughs> was like, Dude, what? it's actually like had me feeling for him. We'll, we'll get to it in, yeah. in, in a little bit here. But um, before we get to all of these things... We do have um, some birthdays, uh, and you know, unfortunately, we have to say goodbye to a couple people. Luckily for us, it's not quite the laundry list of depressing death type shit that we have to start the podcast yeah, with that, this week. Yeah, not like last, not laugh, like last but, week or anything. <laughs> right. Like last week, we, last we week had was a hard. Lot. Yeah, Dude, and you know, and like me and Email were just talking about this before we um, started recording today. Like we were talking about how Jimmy Kimmel was talking about how he, might, he doesn't know how much longer he wants to record. Uh, his show anymore because he's finding it ever increasingly more difficult to you know have to start the show talking about tragedy and then transition into some sort of comedy routine and that was definitely us last week man it was like really hard to you know talk about everything that was going it's on hard and to just segue, transfer man. In, especially know? like being in entertainment and then you hearing stuff like that it just wears you down right. after and, a while and you feel like, an obligation yeah. to have to mention it because you don't want to sound insensitive but like if you ever, if there's ever something big that you don't hear us talk about, it's not that we don't see it and um, and feel for it, but you know, it's just that the purpose of this podcast, you know, is a little bit of escapism from that because we do, you know, every one of us gets that on fucking display all day on our cell phones. At so. the same time, we do use our pl- uh, platform responsibility. We do. And we do mention it, and another team, another reason I feel like we wouldn't mention something like insanely in the media is mostly because I feel like I would be uneducated to speak on it because I don't really know about it. And that's a big thing too. Uh, One day, I mean, I I will go back and if it's something like pressing, like something like, like I will do the research and get back to it and then mention on the podcast and stuff like that. I just don't want to, I don't want to like, give a take on it and i'm really ill-informed or really unprepared or anything like that because i mean that's how you know shit gets taken out of context i feel like these days yep so yeah if if you ever catch us like saying that that even if you want to like if you want us to speak on something which i don't know how many people want to hear our takes on like things going on in the world necessarily but you know message us you guys have us on socials uh beats and bruce pod you know you can get at us on any social media platform stuff like that we will happy to do the research and get back to you guys on it too yeah absolutely i agree with what Eman just said um but moving along here um before we get to the birthdays you know we also we, we, we like to start off with the bad news and then get to the celebrating more life so um unfortunately in the music world lost last week we lost um musician jim seals who you might know from the famous group Seals and Croft from back in the 60s and 70s, uh, most notably for singing and recording the song Summer Breeze Makes Me Feel Fine. That's right. That's my rendition of it. <laughs> they, they are much better singers than me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we want to say rest in peace to him. Uh, he did get to live a nice long life. He was 80 years old when he passed. Um 
and unfortunately, and, and not quite as, um, uh, you know, didn't get to live out his, his life into the fullest, would be the former NFL running back, Marion Barber, was found dead in Texas. Um, he was only 38 years old. It says police in Frisco, Texas, found his body in an apartment following a wellness check. Barber was the star running back for the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys in the 2000s, and the cause of death has not been announced yet. Wow, man. Um, but obviously, if it was um, something to do with a wellness check, um, you know, that doesn't lead you to believe that it was, um, you know, in, in good health, you know, that, that it seems like it has suicide attached to it, but, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to mislead anyone. So I, there's obviously, as I just said, cause of death has not been announced. So when we have the information on that, we will get back to you. Um, but then also we do have some more life to celebrate. So, um, we do have birthdays. There was one that I forgot last or last week, by the way, and I cannot believe I forgot to mention it because he's literally one of my favorite artists of all time, and that would be Andre 3000. Um, three stacks. The, three stacks, baby. Um, but, yeah, so his birthday was last week, and then we also had Prince, legendary fucking music guy. Uh, dude, I want to go – I want to talk about Prince for quite a bit. For sure, today, man. Just because – Talk about it. What do you, you want to say, man? We'll say, talk about it now. All right, we're so about. I am going to completely be 100% honest with you guys in saying this, and this might be a whole thing with a, with a cultural thing. Uh, not a cultural thing, but, like, against uh, things I should be hip to. I didn't see Purple Rain up until, like, a few months ago. I've never seen it. you never seen the movie Purple Rain? Never. It's great, dude. <laughs> Apollonia, why don't, you peer yourself, why don't you purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? <laughs> no, man, just as far as, like, I remember back when in the Guitar Hero era, right? I do remember Prince saying that he did not want to license, specifically license his music for video games like Guitar Hero or anything like that because he believed that kids should pick up an actual instrument and play and learn and stuff like that, which is really, really cool to me because it, it does encourage people to, you know, actually get up and be active in the music, which I'm all for, like, musicians be or aspiring musicians becoming musicians and things like that. Prince, to me, just far as, like, this dude could literally take your girl and then give her fashion tips <laughs> yeah. and makeup tips <laughs> for sure and everything like it, it's just insane to me like i mean i guess bowie was around that time too it was like another artist like that uh rick james was around that oh did you actually did you ever watch the rick james documentary speaking of which the, I've never the seen super it, no. freak one they were actually talking about when him when prince was coming out rick james was already kind of like at like already on the level like he was already peaking up and then prince started to came out yeah. and there's like this whole big rivalry that happened and then i think he like knew that ooh, ooh, thing. <laughs> he, like because that was rick james thing and then prince yeah. did it and then prince was talking to rick james about it oh no 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 other way around prince did it and then rick james copied it and then Prince confronted him backstage about it. He goes like, "You didn't trademark, ooh ooh, motherfucker." <laughs> I'm sorry, Rick James, but Prince is better than you, anyways. <laughs> but no, man, Prince has always been one of my favorite, like probably, Guitar's probably God. arguably my favorite Super Bowl performance still to this day. Yeah, Prince was the for sure, shit, for like, sure, man. Like watching him play guitar is the shit, man. And a lot of people didn't realize how much, like, you know, how many instruments that motherfucker had mastered. Didn't so. he do all the instruments on what? Which album was it? I mean, he did most of the. I did a lot of the instruments on a lot of his albums. Like, 
played a lot of that shit. I don't know, but like I know, like say like Purple Rain, for instance, is arguably that I would say that's his biggest album, right? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. I w- one thing I think about when like I think about that album as great and as commercially successful as it was, he didn't make shit off of that album. That all went to the labels. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. If yeah, you know we, that, yeah, like, that there was, was a whole thing with like a royalty dispute on well, it. Still to he, this day, like, with his estate on it. And well, that's just, when like, he dropped Prince from his name and just went by the, the artist, artist formerly known. known as. And then he fucking started like shaving. He shaved slave into his facial hair and started performing with a fucking slave. And like, that's really he. That was really what um, the reason that he dropped the name Prince is because creatively and artistically he wanted to do other things and the label was trying to make him conform to this certain sound make you know write certain songs that are going to go off as singles and as as you see all the time you see it today now too we just talked about it last week how these um artists are now complaining about how their labels are forcing to make like a certain amount of tiktok videos a day and this and that it's all like the same shit really um but yeah so happy birthday prince you're the fucking man you're the reason why a lot of people play music i mean yeah um and then also legendary um rock woman kim deal of the breeders and the pixies her birthday was last week um we got asap rock who has a little fun fact about asap rock has the highest vocabulary in all of hip-hop uh, shout out to the rhyme stairs entertainment <laughs> too by the way what a dope uh, still arguably one of my favorite independent labels yeah shout like, out slug okay. actually atmosphere's god loves ugly just yeah, turned 20 yeah, so. yeah i saw that too man album anniversary yeah. birthday there too that's my favorite uh atmosphere album by far by the way that whole roster pos on that album with doom tree and everything Fuck like yeah. that like i love dude that whole lit brother I, ali uh, <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a bunch of sweet ones uh Modest Yahoo. Modest Yahoo's on Rhyme Sayers? I, was, I thought he was on Rhyme Sayers. He might have been back in the day. I That's feel possible. like he would fit that scheme. He would. You're probably so right. I, I could be wrong about that. I thought Modest Yahoo was on Rhyme Sayers. I can, I guess, fact check that. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. check that one back All later. Right, anyway. And then Looper God Ma, uh, Masego, his birthday was last week. Um, Kanye West turned 45 last week. Faith Evans. You mean yay? What, what, is it, what? what do you mean? I mean, artist formerly known as Prince. I mean, yeah. Kanye West's name is not Kanye West. No, it's just yeah. He legally changed it. You to didn't Ye? know that? Yeah, he legally changed it to yeah. His artist name is Kanye West, but he legally changed his legal name to yeah. That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> um, Faith Evans, Kodak Black, and last but not least, Sway Lee of Ray Shremmerd's birthday. So happy Ray birthday Shremmer. to all of them. Um, but yeah, so before we get into all these news stories that we want to cover this week. Uh, we have some beer for you that we are going to um, cover. And That's good. Take it over to. Uh, I'm feeling a little, little uh, west side of the state. I and ch- before we do that, let's let's get our videos linked right. Let's both start recording at the same damn time. And Think. good. <laughs> so now we're getting our video up game right now. We have three different cameras going on hey, in the studio for those of you who are right. listening to the audio. <laughs> but that's email, right, all us. you visual like <laughs> listeners here. <laughs> we're trying. Watchers. We're trying. The reels are doing well, so that's why we want to get this shit on uh, focused in. But E-Man, tell us about the beer that you brought for us this week. All right, man. This is a brewery that I they had one of my favorite summer beers of all time. And I have not tried this one, and I'm very excited to. I think Chib- I think they're on the west side of the street, right? Chiboygan Sounds West, if uh, I'm not mistaken. You know what? Dude? I'm gonna feel like an idiot because I really don't. I, know. I don't. I, I don't know <laughs> geography, guys. 
<laughs> oh, no, it, it's not. Eric is pointing that it's not. They're like not. the pinky fin- finger right. of the mitten of the cool. state. Cool, the pinky finger of the mitten. <laughs> Got it. All right, so over from Chipoy- <laughs> Chipoygan Brewing. Chipoygan Brewing. I am botching. Right, Can right we before- run that back? Can we run- <laughs> right before we were literally just like, all right, we got to do a better job in the beers because we buffed it last week. <laughs> Uh, and then I freaked it. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so over from Sheboygan Brewing Company, we have the Blackberry Blonde Ale. Uh, coming in at 5% ABV and two IBUs. The, the untapped description, and you can follow us on Untapped at Beats, un, Beats and Brews Pod. Uh, fresh air and water to go in hand with this ale. We carefully balance ripe blackberries with a crisp malt body for just the right amount of succulent and tartness sweetness. This is per- the perfect brew for enjoying outdoors. I feel like succulent and moist are just in those words that just I hate saying out loud, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're on like the tip. Oh, yeah. oh so, so it's more like the index, index. finger. It's like the tip of the <laughs> index finger. Got it. All right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm excited to get into this brew. Apparently, it's perfect for summertime. It's been cranking a good, like, 80, 85 degrees out here in the Mitten State. So, let's rock it you out, You know, it's kind of perfect, too, this uh, packaging, for those of you who can see it in the camera here. It's nice and purple. So, happy birthday, Prince. Um, let's see. Let's I mean, see yeah, we it. totally coordinated that, Cheers by the way. to you in the camera. Your aura is <laughs> purple. I want to be fucking with my camera this whole time. Hey, you got the selfie cam myself. going. <laughs> look at us. Look at us getting production value in our shit now. Although I had to restart mine because I realized it was facing the fucking piano a minute ago. My dad called my phone and it derailed the whole video of it. But anyway. Oh, you got to turn that bitch on Do Not Disturb, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, while we are toasting up these beers, let me pull up my friend Dre Dav. Friend of the show. Friend and just in general, the homie. Um, What is the name of his new track that he dropped? E-Man, do you remember? Oh, it's Top Gun. Top Gun's the new one. Or no, that's... That's not no, it. that's I not it. It's Cold Water Mackin', right? Yep, Cold Water Mackin'. Cold that water sounds Mackin'. right. So, um, as we get a little sip on this local beer, we also want to play you guys a little bit of Dre Dav. So, while we do that, um, here you go. Off his brand, brand spanking new single, Cold Water Mackin'. Bitch, I want money, I don't care about fame So you just do you while I'm doing 
should write a manual. Real peas don't need Kevin Samuels. You niggas hounding bitches. <laughs> <laughs> we could cut it. We could edit right that's there. That's perfect. That's beautiful. Uh, well, <laughs> right um, man, that's definitely a West Coast vibe out of. Um, you can straight dab on you that. You can one. tell you've been listening to uh, a lot of a lot of currency. Yo, definitely. That's a lot definitely of currency. A, that's a little, definitely a lot of Larry Juneish or uh, a Harry a Fraudish. Harry kind of Fraud or uh, what's the Cardo? Mm-hmm. Cardo, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I like that by Dre Dev. Shout out Dre, man. I really like uh, everything he puts out is dope to me. So you know he's our boy, man. Yep. We always gonna, we always gonna hook a flight team guys up. Like, yeah. This beer, dude. This beer is weird. Shout this out to Arctic Circle Brewing, by the way. You see the nice little cup. ACBC. <laughs> um, but dude, this is weird. I expected the flavor to be a little bit stronger. It's kind of um, a way, real subtle on the flavor. It's you know really I mean? high on the carb too. It definitely is. It's that part really I like high about on it. the carb. You know what it actually kind of tastes like? It almost tastes like a seltzer, doesn't it? It's a little bit more bitter than a seltzer, but I, I can see that. Like, you know the what carbonation I'm saying? Like, is very the, like the more like yeah. subtle taste to whatever the flavor is, and like I expected like especially being blackberry because like blackberries have such a strong taste when you eat the actual fruit. I expected it to be a little bit more, um, more of like a bite to it. It's I a think. little bit more tart than I, I mean. It says like the amount, the right amount of succulent tartness. So I'm like, it's definitely got like that tartness, like punch to it. It's still got almost like this weird, like bit, not even weird in a bad way, mind you, but like this like bitterness at the mm-hmm. back end of it too. It's almost like it's almost. Like it's not an IPA, mind you, but it's almost similar to an IPA where it's just on the back end, where it's like got like that little like hop bitterness, but it it's not quite that. It's I don't very, know where it comes from. It feels light though. Like it feels like a like, so. In the words of of my dear friend E Man across from me, it feels very crushable to me. Like I can feel like you could drink this fast. It's a crispy boy, a fruity crispy boy. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's got a very good like tropical aroma to it too. Like you, you can tell it's very like I really like fruit it. forward in a way. I no, it's, it sips, is I great. Really like it, it is great for summer. Yeah, yeah absolutely correct. Uh, Chiboygan, you guys nailed this. You could almost as far like, as like the flavor and what I expected personally. So, I feel yeah. like you could almost drink it over ice. I'm not even joking. Like it, it feels more to me like that type of beverage than like a beer beer. I don't know. I wouldn't do that because it would take away from the flavor with the water down yeah, and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I like that. Shout out Sheboygan. I, l- I like Sheboygan's uh, artwork, too. They do some cool stuff with their- Oh, 20 IBUs, by the way. What it is- says oh, that okay. on the can. Okay, oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. two IB. This tastes way too bitter for two IBUs yeah. stuck on the back end. I'm like, all right. Fresh air and water go hand in hand with this ale. We carefully balance ripes of blackberries in a crisp malt body for just the right amount of succulent- Tartness, I almost said fartness, and sweetness. <laughs> this is a perfect brew for everything that's outdoors. That's a totally different type of beer. <laughs> but no, that's that's correct. It says perfect brew for everything outdoors. This is definitely a beer. I agree. I wouldn't want to or something like that. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, shout out to them. But anyways, um, moving forward, I wanted to get into this story about Justin Bieber. It's fucking so bizarre. Did you watch the video? I don't know why I keep snapping like that. I don't know what that is. Huh? Yeah, I hear that little pop too, but no, mm, whatever. All right, know. go back. Let's go yeah. to the beeps. Okay, but anyways, um, yeah. So, did you watch the actual video footage that he put out? All right, so he put out a video, and it's crazy. He literally. So, what the syndrome that he came down with is called is Ramsey Hunt syndrome, and basically what that does is it leaves one side of your face paralyzed. So he's talking, he's telling, he's telling, like, it's a little Instagram clip that he did. He's telling you what's going on with him, and the left side of his face is moving, 
but the right isn't. Like, he can't blink his right eye. He can't move the right side of his mouth. The whole right side of his face is fucking paralyzed. All right. I got a question. So what's the difference? And this is me uninformed, completely my ignorant take right here. You, What's the difference between that and cerebral palsy? That's a complete... No, you're thinking Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy, Bell's I think, is caused by, like... So when, like, Conway... Conway yeah, I, was, I was about to say Conway, or even, or even 50, because 50 can't move his mouth a certain way Both either. of those so were caused by gunshot wounds. Okay. So I think that was what led to the paralysis in those guys. And I don't know what causes... But I mean, I guess I could probably just Google it really quick. Why not? Um, Let's see. Cause of Bell's palsy. Is it, like, a blood pressure thing, maybe? Like, is it, like... I don't know. Let's see. And I don't know if it's because I, I don't know if, if every case that it's like um, where it's permanent, like Conway has the cause of Bell's palsy is on is unknown, but is thought to be caused by inflammation affecting the body's immune system. It's associated with other conditions such as diabetes. Symptoms of facial weakness or paralysis get worse over the first few days and start to improve in about two weeks. So I think there is cases where it can cure itself and then there's also cases where it's with Kanye where it's forever. Yeah. Um but with Justin's they said that they think that his is accustomed to um you know overworking himself and not you know sleeping properly and you know these are things that a lot that of tracks. artists go through when they're you know um doing shitloads of tour dates like Especially these guys. Especially like Beebs who's been around Massively, since he was like 11. You know, yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh prayers Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say basically what he said on his thing is my doctors are like, you know, you got to cancel these shows. I got to fucking rest, take care of my eating, take care of my sleeping and all this and everything. And I was like, damn, dude, that's crazy. So, yeah, like, like, how, was just how, old is, how old is Biebs now? I think he's like 28 or something like that. I'm going to say he's right definitely now. late. Tw- he's got to be. Li- no, I don't think he's in the 30s. I think he's late 20s. Let's see. Let's just. Do that. It's so nice having a computer back again, too. Right? <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, welcome to Trinity Club, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good. Um, let's see. Justin Bieber. Wikipedia. Let's see what they got him. He's twenty eight. Okay. Yep. Born in nineteen ninety four. Dude, Damn. I'm not gonna lie, like I don't you know, I still don't like his music all that much, but like I'm kind of starting to like him a little bit as a mm. dude, just as a guy. Mm. I don't know. He I've, been seems wor- like, I've been working on that for a couple years. I feel like he's like kind of growing into himself. You know, he's a he's he could have been way worse off. I feel like I for told, how young he. Got I famous. told you that uh, <laughs> these kids that get and I yeah. said this like six times on this podcast. Sure. These kids that get famous quick don't know how to fucking act because they never had to do normal shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a fact. That is definitely true. Um... But all right, so anyways, moving along, um, I wanted to get to, so this has been a topic that E-Man and I have definitely talked to, um, with you guys about a lot over the last year, and that's how um, certain things can influence the popularity of music. So TikTok will make an old song pop or a television show. And that's currently happening right now. With I Kate almost want to, I almost want to play the Stranger Things theme song like while we we're doing it. 
<laughs> I don't know. That, that would probably be our biggest copyright fucking flag so of all. So I'm going to just do that. I, you, you, want, you think they would copyright if I just like, while you're talking, like, <laughs> you think that you think that count? It'd be all right. Yeah, I think I'll be all right. Let's do it. Yeah, I think so. And dude, so much for my beautiful. I was just bragging about how I had all these camera angles. Your iPhone storage is full. Oh my god! All right, Eric, no more video out of my end. Twelve something. Twelve thirty. <laughs> Jesus. Um, right. But anyways, back to Kate Bush. So. As we were talking, as E-Man just alluded to, it came from Stranger Things, the new season of Stranger Things. Um, what's the what's the redhead's character's name? Uh, Max. Max. So Max, um, you know, is going through. I don't want to give. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a certain song that Max listens to, and it's called "Running Up the Hill" by Kate Bush, um, and it kind of like is her center throughout that the series. So she listens to it in like times of craziness and stress. Right. And that song has been played on, I think, damn near almost every episode they've had the song on. And that song has literally blown Kate Bush back up the charts again. And, like, it's crazy because I think the song came out in 1985, if I'm correct. Let's see. You know what I'm happy about? It makes me think of, uh, remember Dogface? Yes. (laughs) It makes me think of Dogface and uh, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, exactly. Similar scenario. And it's just crazy because... You know, she she hasn't put out any new music in a long ass time. She still performs occasionally, but um, not much. I want to see if it has what. Yeah, it says all right. So Kate's Hounds of Love album peaked at number three on the UK singles charts as released in 1985. Um, and Kate has previously opened up about the meaning of the lyrics, saying back in 1985, it's about a relationship between a man and a, a woman. They love each other very much, and the power of the relationship is something that gets in the way. Mm. It creates insecurities in saying that the man could be the woman and the woman could be the man if they could just deal with God to change places. Uh, If they could cut a deal with God to change places. Uh, I'm trying to see if it has where the song is at on the chart. Oh, wow. So (laughs) it says the music video of the song became such a huge um, hit on YouTube since the Stranger Things came out. That it has spiked eight hundred percent since since the Netflix show Ooh, came out. Wow, good that's fucking shit. crazy. Good for her, man. Um, and I think it's also funny, and we can also bring that back to hip hop a little bit. Is I didn't, I, you know, I'm not gonna pretend like I knew a lot of Kate Bush music, but the reason I got put onto Kate Bush some years ago was literally through Big Boy from Outkast. Big Boy has been on record saying that Kate Bush is, um, I think. I think he said it's his very. He's got two favorite artists of all time. I can't remember what the second one was, but he said Kate Bush is one of two of his favorite artists of all time, and uh, which is just so funny because you don't really like necessarily hear her influence in his music. But he's like a super stan. He's always posting about her. He got to record a song with her, and he was like geeking the fuck out on on social media about it. So um, yeah, shout out Kate Bush. Shout out to. Big boy and outcast. That's what's up, man. Um, I, I I not hip to Kate Bush. I really didn't know who she was until the Stranger Things. It uh, definitely episode. is some eighties. Well, she's actually a lot of it's super timeless, but that song in particular definitely has that eighties feel for sure. Um, but anyways, yeah, moving along here, um, we want to get to. I'll, I'll kick it over to E Man because I know he's probably more even more excited about it than I am. The return of the boys. 
Oh, I thought you. I thought you were talking about John Cena because John Cena is coming back to wrestling, and John Cena is going to be a topic on another different thing we're talking about here. Yeah. However, I do want to talk about one of the best, like comic, not only comic book shows, but one of my favorite shows, probably Amazon's best show they have on TV to yeah, me sure. overall, is The Boys made its return back last week. Dropped three episodes, and then oh no no sorry two weeks ago, and then dropped an episode four this past Friday. Yep. Uh, oh, we did talk about him a little bit last week. I forgot we, did. we talked about the dick. We did. We <laughs> the did. The sounding. <laughs> we we did. You, you know that you know that whole scene is based on the Thanos theory. You know what the Thanos theory is What's right. The Thanos theory. So the Thanos theory was in the Avengers when mm, mm. It, about about Ant Man and Damn. Thanos. Oh, okay. Yeah. So wait. Oh. Wait. Tell. Right, spell it out. <laughs> so for, <people. laughs> for you guys listening at home, yeah, the yeah. Thanos theory. Is that, and I don't want to spoil Avengers Endgame for you guys, but if you haven't watched Avengers Endgame by now, then, you know, fuck you. Anyway, so, <laughs> like, so, respectfully, though, respectfully. So, Ant-Man. Let's <laughs> <laughs> timestamp that Literally shit. just that. It's going to say, if you haven't watched Avengers Endgame right now, if you haven't watched Endgame by now, fuck you. That's the whole clip. <laughs> anyway, so, the theory is that Ant-Man, who's played by Paul Rudd, right. who we all love, uh, shrinks down. He plays a character named Ant-Man, and I'm doing this for the people that are not comic book people. Mm-hmm. Shrinks down to a tiny size like an ant, right? And the main antagonist of the Avengers Endgame and the last one uh, is Thanos, mm-hmm. which is this old warly leader or whatever. Anyway, so you guys know who the fuck it is by now. Anyway, so the whole thing is he shrinks down and climbs into Thanos, whatever orifice possible. Let's go with butthole. Let's go with butthole. I mean, it could be mouth, it could be nose, it could be ear, but let's go butthole just go for, for the, for the humor factor. Let's go, go butthole. butthole. <laughs> so he climbs up there and then expands and fucking kills him. That was the whole theory, that the Thanos theory, that was actually mentioned in the movie. It wasn't yeah. called Thanos, mind you, but yeah. Actually, no, it wasn't mentioned. I think movie, it's called. Yeah. I think it's called Thanos because he went in his anus, right? So. That's absolutely why <laughs> it's called Thanos. But I mean, there's like other ways to get inside his body, I guess. But anyway, so going back to the boys, uh, let's just say without a spoiler. I mean, I, there's no way not to spoil this. I guess that theory gets tested. As we should say, yeah, for sure, it gets tested the fuck out of actually. Yep, and you, know what's, uh, you know what's funny is like um, now that you brought that up, the Ant Man thing, I did read that they they think that that was um, that Ant Man was in mind when the guy wrote this character because it's called the Termite. The in, Termite, yeah, no, it absolutely so was. It is, like, no, that was a thing. Of, yeah. Like they, there was articles about that. That was so. That was completely based off the Thanos yeah, theory. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was because of that. Yep. I saw the meme. It was like the the Dogecoin fucking dog or whatever. Did you did you see this no, meme? No, no. The the actual small Dogecoin dog was uh Avengers, mm-hmm. and then the big one was the boys. He goes, "What's wrong, King?" He goes, "Marvel didn't want to do the Thanos idea." He goes, "I got you. Look <laughs> at our work." And then his fucking boys episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that happened. And I mind you, that's a very small part of what's going on in the boys. There is several I, disgusting sex scenes, by the way. Oh, in the first not few only what, they're, run, they're about to run hero gasm. <laughs> I was explaining so for you guys Don't even ruin it. It's, no, no, it's not up. even a spoiler. It's not even a spoiler. Like right. I mean this is already in the this is already in the comic book. Okay. And this was already before the season start. They were gonna touch hero gasm. For those of you who are not <laughs> familiar with hero gasm and 
So Hero Gasm is a story in the actual comic book The Boys where if you guys are if you guys aren't familiar with The Boys by the way it's just like this whole imagine like the Avengers as fucking degenerates. Yeah. Anyway, so there's this whole thing with Hero Gasm where it's just like this big ass pretty much orgy type situation it's like that but it's like a big party it's like a rave a orgy it's about a, a bunch of things sex for superheroes but, but superheroes <laughs> yeah exactly and that was a story that was in comic book and it involved some really 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 fucked up shit like severely fucked up shit like if you watch the boys like if you guys are already at home watching the boys and stuff like that you already know what i'm talking about if you haven't watched the boys uh, if you have a weak stomach don't watch it i wouldn't recommend it but if you like that fucked up weird shit I'm definitely with it. I'll be that whole thing with hero gasm though is like there's this whole big party that goes on, and then there's some stuff that got cut out of the comic book that I read ahead of because I'm such a fucking nerd about this. But they cut out one particular scene with Homelander that I'm a hundred percent glad they did. I told you yeah. off mic what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't talk about it here uh, because I might, you know, I don't yeah. want I don't want to fuck some people up. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy. I think that's gonna be episode six of this season. So I'm really interested to see what that goes for. But the first four episodes of Boys, I'm really fucking happy. I'm gonna make a bold went. claim right now about the boys. I think that Homelander is the most terrifying uh superhero villain of all time, in my opinion. Up to right now, they're so they're trying to explore ways. He's basically so we're kind of getting to a season where they're trying to develop, they're trying to uh, determine if he is or not. But from all other standpoints, he's basically invincible, and he can basically Think fucking. Of, he's pretty much Superman, and he can. He fucking is essentially Superman nuke, without the kryptonite. Nuke the world with his eyes and the drop of a fucking hat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if you're face to face with Homelander. You can't, even though he's the biggest asshole and piece of shit on the planet. That's you an understatement. You gotta fucking, <laughs> you gotta bite your tongue. You can't say shit back because he can literally fucking melt your face in two no, seconds. No, calling Homelander an <laughs> asshole and piece of shit. Mind you, I was Homelander for Yamakon last year. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> no, but that's was, a very big understatement. Like, this man has done some of the most fucked up fuck shit I've seen up. on television. And, and you oh, know what? So. Man. What, and we sort of mentioned it last week, but what I think is so cool about the boys, and you know, a shout out to whoever wrote the the, the original. So comics. You know, Seth Rogen produced the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's the same guy that wrote the preacher. Um, you know, the yeah. The, yeah so, and I think Seth Rogen produced that as well, the preacher one. But anyways, so what's so cool about it is it's a more honest take on how superheroes would actually move and work because just like society, they wouldn't be all wired to be out here doing good for everyone there'd be some fucked up yeah they're not bo- they're definitely not too. boy scouts they're <laughs> like alcoholics I mean? they engage in terrible some things of the craziest of fucking would... debauchery you right. can imagine uh i mean the first 10 minutes of ep- season one episode one like some crazy shit happened i don't want to give it away yeah. but like you you kind of picture it like okay it's gonna be like kind of like an avenger show where everything's kind of happy-go-lucky and stuff like that and then it just go- takes a hard turn left <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. And that's one thing I do like about the boys because it's such a good spin on like, what if, you know, on the ca- in front of the camera, right? In front of the camera, in the media, stuff like that. All your famous heroes, like you kind of, you, that's what you perceive. But imagine if Captain America or, well, Batman's also kind of a degenerate in the way. But imagine if Captain America or fucking Superman or all these people 
when heel. Acted like, <laughs> yeah, if they win heel, essentially. <laughs> if they, behind the scenes, they, they are just fucking heels in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's the best way to describe it. Yep. And that's what I do love about the boys. Speaking of which, since we, uh, we, we went through birthdays already, but I do want a quick shout out one more. Carl Urban's birthday was a couple days ago. From the guy who plays Butcher, plays right? Butcher. Yeah, yep. so shout out oh, to yeah. him. And uh, shout out to the series because it just got picked up and renewed for season four. I'm excited, man. Yeah, it's it's really good. So all right, so the first episode made me feel weird. It was mostly because of the very fucking degenerate ass sex scenes. Um, there, and there's then, more to come. But then episode two was like so <laughs> no fucking intended. good, and I fucking love it so far. Like the the way episode four just ended was crazy. Uh, oh, and the way they fucking uh, spoofed the Kendall Jenner commercial. Oh, dude, I thought <laughs> no, I didn't want to. I didn't want to give that away. I didn't want to give that away. I thought about that the whole time. Like I watched it last night, and I'm A-train, like, train, bro. Oh A-train my god, age. I love how A Train is like <laughs> that fucking costume, bro. <laughs> yeah. This this fake Super ass pandery. like this Juneteenth ass costume that he that's did. That's exactly what it oh is. Oh my god, this. Is <laughs> oh, that's funny. I mean, he 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 reminds me if that costume reminds me if uh, Apple decided to do Juneteenth things like just companies that are historically like just. Yep. I, I don't want. Actually, and that's what happened. Like Walmart got. Actually, Eric, can we cut that out? Because I don't want to mention a company specifically that could hurt us. Oh, I don't give a <laughs> fuck. Fuck that company. <laughs> fuck Walmart did the same thing with fucking okay. the Juneteenth ice cream and like yeah, yeah shit it's like all that. happening. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, just like these. Okay, yeah, I would just say if these major companies decided to just like just. They want to monetize you. We could fuck up a future bag, though. Never want to fuck Walmart? up a future bag. Yeah, right. No, no, not Walmart, but the other one we blanked out. <laughs> we blanked out. Um, but anyways, we got to keep going on because we do have more to discuss. All and right. since we're still in the TV movie realm, I wanted to mention, I'm not going to talk about it very long because E-Man doesn't watch the show yet, but Peaky Blinders just dropped season six, the final season on Netflix. I just saw that it popped up on my thing like right before we left for the season or for the show tonight. So I'm excited to go home and watch some of that shit. Um, if you're not watching Peaky Blinders, it's so fucking good. Like I don't, I can't even describe to you how well it's acted and shot and filmed. And I was curious, you know, uh, how they were gonna go about taking on season six because um, the actor Helen McCroy, who is a big part of the show as Aunt Paul. Um, passed away after season five of cancer. Um, and so I was really interested to see how they were going to write that back into the series. I did watch the first episode, and it is addressed um, within the first 10 minutes of the, of the show um, in a pretty fucking crazy way. Like a pre- It starts out with a really um, emotional, intense scene. So if you're not watching Peaky Blinders, I really suggest checking it out. It's very easy to catch up on because I want to say the episodes are not even an hour, and I think they only do like six or seven episodes a season, which is also cool. Like, so normally I I do bitch about like shows that are super short nowadays and how like all these seasons are so much shorter than they used to be. But what's cool about them being six episode seasons is there's no fucking filler episodes. Every episode is like guns blazing. Fucking crazy! That's ass one shit. show I need yeah. to really get. Because I, I, I mean, the period piece shows up like that. Like that's one. That's one particular one I've been meaning to get into for a while, 
and I'm glad that the last season just dropped. So I'm gonna, all right. I'm gonna just go yeah. through. I'm gonna just one day, one of these days, I'm gonna go through and just like knock them all out. I'm not sure if the last season is split up like they've been doing a lot of stuff on Netflix lately. So I'll have Stranger to wait things. till we get there. I did notice that there's <laughs> six episodes on the sixth season, so may it could be like a you know part one, part two, like all the like like he just mentioned Stranger Things. Um, but we'll have to see. But I am. Very excited. Uh, one uh, one quick thing I want to do, like mention too. Uh, I want to go back to the boys real quick. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. So there was one particular scene. <laughs> this is not a big spoiler, but like the uh, the CIA agent in there was talking about the. Uh, they were talking about how they were set because they were stationed in what the fuck was it? Uh, in Vietnam, uh-huh. right? And that's and they're talking about like trading weapons for cocaine and stuff like that, and then mother's milk. Who's like one of my favorite characters on on the boys? He goes, "Were you a part of that other Which thing?" Which one's Mother's Milk? The big ass black dude. That's a part of uh, Butcher's Crew. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's Mother's that's, Milk. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that was his name. Yeah, Mother's Milk. I forgot his actual name, but they call him Mother's okay. Milk. That's like All his right, nickname. For sure. Anyway, so Mother's Milk. He goes, "Were you a part of that other thing?" And then he goes, "We were, yeah, we were uh, also advised to like." distribute cocaine into predominantly black neighborhoods and stuff like that and my very first thought out of everything was like fucking franklin saint (laughs) 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 fucking franklin same thing i had the same exact thought with you in my head that's very funny oh i like that fucking teddy and franklin saint (laughs) i'm like that's the crossover we need (laughs) um well one last thing that i don't want to talk about very long in the movie world because i have not seen it yet e-man just watched it before the podcast um, but I don't want him to ruin anything by talking about it too much. So we do just want to mention that there is a more serious Adam Sandler movie that just hit Netflix. Um, what's it called? Hustlers? It's not Uncut Gems. I'll what, tell you that. What's it uh, called again? It is called Hustle. 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 So basically he plays like a talent scout for the NBA um, out of Philadelphia, right? Yeah, for the 76ers. For the 76ers. And it's supposed to be kind of like a more heartfelt. Let me. Um, yeah, you. you let me. Let me take this one because I actually yeah. just watched this yeah, yeah. one today. So Adam Sandler, who his by the way, his wife in the movie is Queen Latifah, which is fucking hilarious to me. I just want to throw that out there. Oh really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Adam Sandler is a talent scout for the Philadelphia 76ers, and his job is literally to uh, just go around and travel. And look at different potential NBA players uh, all around the world. So he goes to Japan, he goes to Germany, he goes to Greece, he goes to Italy, he goes to all these countries and stuff like that. And has these particular players, uh, he finds a couple, but they don't like. I guess like he's managing. So one of the big parts of the movie is that he finds one of the guys. And he really didn't agree with him, but the owner's son, who's also a big part of the team, really loved the guy. Uh, this dude from Germany, and he decided that he didn't he didn't really like him, and they're like back and bounce and forth. And then one of the things that he agreed on was that he really liked how Adam Sandler handles himself normally, and that's why he decided to bring him on the team. But then that owner passes away. This is not like a spoiler in the movie, but that actually is a synopsis of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the owner pa- of the team passes away, and the owner's uh, son eventually gets the team. He originally was in line to have Adam Sandler's character become like one of the assistant coaches, to get him off the road because he wants to spend time with his family. You know, he wants to spend time with Queen Latifah, 
which I don't forget her actual name in the movie, but I'm gonna call <laughs> for the sake of this, I'm gonna call her Queen Latifah. Uh, so he wants to spend time with his family and everything like that, and get off the road because the road life is very, as you can imagine, the road life would be very taxing for a family man, you know? Yeah. Because you're away from your kid, children, away from your wife, your person, whoever it may be. Anyway. I got so, a question for you. Is there any actual NBA stars playing? There's all oh, yeah. a lot of them. A lot of them. Like all in fact, like the main two characters are NBA. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Uh anyway, so he's so the owner's son sends who takes over the team, sends him back on the road. And he lands in Brazil and he was supposed to meet like this other player, but then another player got injured, I guess, the night before in a practice or something like that. And he was like, All right, is there a way I can just go pick up some pl- uh, pickup basketball? And he goes into a pickup basketball game, not like playing, but just like watching. And he sees just this talented fucking dude and just how he handled himself on the court when like a bunch of trouble was about to handle his way. He was like, Hey, let's just squash this on the court and stuff like that. And he decides, you know what? You're the one. I need you to come to Philadelphia for a tryout. Uh, the owners, they didn't want to give him a chance because they didn't no, have no, any don't, t- don't tell me too much more. I don't want to don't give away the whole thing. Y'all, right, right. Right. Anyway, so that's like the quick <laughs> synopsis. Yeah. So he's pretty much trying to get this uh, this guy from Brazil who's played by, I don't cannot pronounce his fucking name, but he plays for the Utah Jazz. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, he plays the main character, or the main character in the sh- movie is Bo, Bo Cruz. Uh, Kenny Smith is his best friend. Kenny DeJesse. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, man, it's just Jaleel White's on the squad. Like, it's it's just a lot, dog. Isn't one of your favorite uh, rappers in the movie as well? I don't think Tech Nine's in this movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't no. think Tech Nine's in this movie. His favorite women rapper. Yes. Tierra <laughs> Wack has a small cameo in this movie. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm excited. I mean, it's shot in Philly, so it makes sense that Tierra Wack would be there, Philly artist. Uh, but here's my Trae last Young, question. Young, like, there's a, a, a bunch of NBA players in this movie. So here's my final question for you, since you saw it already. Do you think it will generate any kind of, like, Oscar or award season buzz for Adam Sandler? So I'm actually really happy you said that because I thought about that. I watched, com- in comparing this to, say, Uncut Gems, which was the movie he thought he was going to get an Oscar off of, I like this one way better. Yeah. I, I, I 100% like this one way better. For two motherfuckers that get anxiety like crazy, Uncut Gems was not for Oh, us. no. <laughs> what are you doing, Otto? KG, KG, you got to check this out. That movie stressed me out so hard the whole time. God damn it, I hated that shit. But no, this is, this is I actually really enjoy this movie a lot. And I feel like, because Adam Sandler is a noted basketball fan, too, loves basketball. He, he does. Re- he'll jump into regular pickup games in New York City. He'll just fucking start playing. Yeah, um, Adam Sandler is a noted basketball player, so I feel he like he was like perfect cool for dude. this role. I feel like he was perfect for this role. Adam Sandler, I feel like, doesn't get enough credit, by the way, too, because we talk. I know when we talked about the Kendrick episode, we talking about like people putting other people on stuff like that. Oh, psh, Adam what? Sandler has put on all, all his, his friends. Oh my god, <laughs> all of them. David Spade, fucking uh, Nick, Nick Swartzen, fucking. He's kept fucking. The unfunny ass fucking uh, what's his goddamn name? Rob Schneider around for goddamn. Actually, forever. you know what? Rob Schneider, <laughs> Deuce Bigelow is fucking great. Come I mean, on he's now. He's made funny movies, but he's just like it's just the animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Schneider is a stapler. I still haven't Park. watched that damn South Park movie yet. Well, I don't have Paramount Plus anymore, so fucking goddamn it, dude. Uh, <laughs> I, gotta... I mean, might have allegedly find some fire stick shit right there. <laughs> I'm gonna have to might for find sure, a jailbreaky. <laughs> I'm gonna I might have to watch that movie tonight. I can't decide if I want to go home and watch Peaky Blinders or watch this new Adam Sandler movie. I don't know. We'll decide later. But anyways, 
Moving on um, from that, we do want to get to this list here. And before I even get into this list of the 200 greatest hip-hop albums of all time that Rolling Stone put out, I just want to qu- I have a quick question for anyone that's listening. Why do you get butthurt about these fucking Rolling Stone lists anymore? Like, it's Rolling Stone. It hasn't been the front runner of thing- all things music in a very long time. I feel like they are kind of washed as a publication, in my opinion. And <laughs> at if the you same look at time, so, so this just, I just this is the one like, thing that I would just want to make clear to people because people see art lists like this and give it all this power, but really, when you break down what this list is, is a list that was voted on by sixteen people that work for Rolling Stone. I think one of those sixteen people were black. I think um, maybe. Two of them were uh, women. I don't think any of them were over the age of 40. I'm just looking at the pictures of them. I don't actually know for a fact. But you, it's, it's hard for me to take seriously a list created by people that were not alive during the heyday and the golden era of rap music. So, so if you get your panties in a bunch about this list, just remember that. That it's not really, you know, it's not like it's the fucking actual people that birthed hip-hop and created hip-hop that are voting on this fucking list. But um, it definitely pissed a lot of people off. I mean, it definitely has some highlights and some low points on it. Um, but I'll, I'm just going to read off the top 20 to you guys just so we can, you know, have a little bit of something to talk about here. Let me go all the way down because it definitely starts all the way. Oh, here we go, 20 to 1. I can just click on that so I don't have to scroll a million times. I know the game was pissed. Did you see the game? He was all mad because the documentary wasn't on there. Oh wait, it wasn't. No, I didn't. So I didn't. I'm gonna be honest with you. I li- I wa- I looked at the top fifty. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at the whole two hundred. Uh, actually, no. I think it went backwards. So I might have looked at like the last like couple hundred. But it was like a couple highlights and stuff like that. Like I saw what got me. <laughs> I'm already pissed off just by looking at number twenty. What's number twenty? <laughs> Future DS two. Yeah, that Number was on that list. 20 of all time. All right, I, I literally just... I just fucked your bitch <laughs> in some Gucci flip-flops. I, just, I, I literally just prefaced this by telling the crowd not to get mad about this list. <laughs> you and then I just, hypocrite. And then I just got super mad when I saw that Future has an album in the top 20. Of all greatest of hip-hop all albums of all time. I mean, he's Dungeon Family, you know? He's Dungeon Family. You know what? <laughs> I know we like to make a point on this show that we don't like to trash artists, but Future's Buku Rich, so I don't care. <laughs> I think he sucks so much balls and making music, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Because I, I don't agree with it. I actually like Future like, in certain settings. Oh, God. I mean, if it's on in the background in a party where I'm not paying attention to it, but as far as me as a listener putting on some shit, I would put that shit on, listen to track one, and if it was still in the CD era... Pull that shit out of my fucking CD drive and throw that shit frisbee style. I'm gonna be out the honest with window. you, like, am I am I listening to? I'm gonna put it in her butt and make it pee pee, like in my regular life. No, but <laughs> every once in a while, like in a certain setting, like in a party setting, or if I'm in a gym or something like that, like and it just comes on a playlist, I'm not gonna change it. Oh man, that's too funny to me. But anyways, that's number twenty. Number nineteen, like it's so like it's so bizarre how they even order these because like. You got like Future at number nine or twenty, which this album came out in two thousand fifteen, 
And then you got Lil' Kim's Hardcore at number 19 from 1996. I want to know what, was it like a particular, was it a person that put this in, was it a panel of people? 16 people. people. Did you you just hear me? It was 16 people. 16 people. One or two of which were black. I looked up, I saw their pictures. There was a couple Asian people, (laughs) a couple black people, um, Uh, a few white girls, and mostly white dudes. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, this this it tracks, and like no, none of them look like they're older than forty years old. So it just it makes no sense. This this list should have been voted on, not by motherfuckers that work for Rolling Stone. It should have been voted on by people that are in the hip hop industry, in, in the culture. You know. <laughs> but anyways, number eighteen. Now I'm fucking with you guys a little bit. We got Mad Villainy by fucking MF Doom. Um. So and Madlib, obviously, who produced it. But, yeah, that album is fucking phenomenal. Um, I can't say enough good things about Doom. Rest in peace to Doom. We'll keep it moving here. That album came out in 2004. Um, let's see here. <laughs> see, come on, man. How, how, this album came out three years ago. How can you put Cardi B's Invasion of Privacy at number 16? Because it changed her whole life. Of the top 200 <laughs> she of went, all time. She went the reverse of loving hip-hop into hip-hop. I feel like there should not be any albums on this list, quite honestly, that are less than five to ten. It has to be a minimum five. I'd say ten, because how do you know how it's going to age? You know what I mean? Like, this could sound like shit to us 20 years down the road from us because everything sounds dated. Like, how are you going to put this up in a fucking spot better than Little Kim? Oh, no. Uh, two spots better than fucking Little Kim. Like, that's crazy. Oh, I missed one. So that one was actually number 16. 17 was Kanye West Yeezus, which Yeezus was like not. Uh, no, wait. man. Yeezus changed a lot of so shit like as far as musically. Yeezus from a production standpoint was brilliant. I hated the lyrics to Yeezus. It was like his Hurry most- up with my damn croissants. Oh, God, I hated it. It was so fucking aggressive. But I mean, you can't really fault him. Although Blood on the Leaves is my shit. Blood on the Leaves. Blood on the Leaves is my shit. Phenomenal song. That song is so hard. Um, Black Skinhead, I still love too. I agree. Still comes on a song. Now fifteen. This makes a little bit more sense because these motherfuckers literally godfathered the style of MCing the way we know it today. Where it literally. We about to get a Neil rant, bro. We about to get a Neil rant. We about to get a Neil rant. I just, I just feel it. I feel it in my jellies. These, like this, <laughs> these ones, make sense to be closer to the top to me because Eric B. and Rakim changed the way hip hop sounded. Literally changed the way an art form Rakim, sounded. They bre- they brought jazz, that jazz element into hip hop production. Real MCing to it because that before lyrical. Rakim, most of the shit was braggadocious and just party serving shit. serving the purpose to. Hype the DJ. Yeah, it was part. You yeah. you were the wordsmith essentially. You were like the I feel like of ceremonies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exact, yeah. Uh, like I feel like a lot of that was like a hip. A hot, what was that? Curtis Blow. Hip hot. A hip a hip. Curtis. No, Curtis no, no. I think he has a writing credit on that. I think he actually wrote that. But no, no, no. Um, Kumo D. Kumo D. Yeah, 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 but my bad. it's by Sugar Hill Gang. Is by yeah. what that song is by. Yeah, Rappers Delight, right? Which they were just like that wasn't who else. They were f- just plants. They were actors basically. They didn't. I wasn't rap. going into a Sugar Hill rap. Gang. It was who the fuck was I about to talk about that was around that same time? There was um, the Furious Five, Freddie F- or um. That was that was hip hop's like origin right there. Yeah, but like Melly Bad- Mel and like um. The Furious Five, they kind of had like you know the the message was a gigantic song next to the Rapper's Delight one, 
But anyways, and then another one that makes sense. We're continuing on here, and this one totally makes sense to me. Supreme Clientel, Ghostface Killer. That album is so fucking fire. It's crazy. It is like um, everything about the foundations of hip hop. When I listen to Wu Tang, any of the members of Wu Tang, that is hip hop to me. Like that is like the mold of what you know the time frame that I grew up in. Um, I think the golden era of hip hop was in that '90s. 2000 bag um that album i think came out actually in the year 2000 but yeah that, that's what they had at 14 13 they got dr dre's the chronic 2001 um which came out in 99 that's funny i never really think about that <laughs> came out in 99 with the album was called Donna, dr dre's cry 2001 um so that's he was planning for the future <laughs> that's that, kind of funny actually <laughs> that is actually a fucking phenomenal album though and that album changed the landscape in a lot of ways too because that era is what ushered in eminem i mean the next episode is on that shit like it gave you exhibit what's Snoop the difference Dog, between me and you about five big oh, accounts dude. three ounces and two vehicles yes oh that whole era too speaking of which i one of these days i really want to do an exhibit appreciation Fuck yeah dude exhibit is amazing exhibit probably has one of my favorite music videos of all time Which's i just want one? what you see is what you get that's a great that's video. like one of my favorite videos that i ever i here's the thing and a lot of and i i never i don't think i've ever told you this holy water was centered around what you see is what you get I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, that's tight. Yeah. That's a nice little fucking tidbit. Yep. Um, and then continuing on, there's another one that both of us love. Clips Lord Wyland from 2002 is number 12, which that's crazy that they put that up into, or at number 12, quite honestly, because I didn't think that, well, I guess people were paying attention to Clips back then, but like, Clips was never... Would you say they were very mainstream at the time? Oh, like, yeah. Grinding was fucking huge. Grinding was Every huge. Every yeah. fucking yeah, child in my middle school, including myself, was doing boom. Right. Boom, 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 That's true. That's, mm. Grinding was huge. But I don't think that they're, like, if you were to mention clips, I don't think there's like a whole subsection of people that probably wouldn't even know that that was Pusha T's former group. You know what I mean? I mean, like younger kids now. Like, I mean, like Pusha T, I think. I think what I mean to say is that Pusha T has kind of transcended the f- the popularity of clips. Um, oh, as absolutely, a solo absolutely. I mean, same thing. We don't talk about play a circle with two chains for sure. That's same true. thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. But same, similar but, era but, too. But, by but the but way, but if we're being honest, clips made better music than Player Circle. Dude. I mean, I don't. I literally only know one Player Circle song. <laughs> Probably Duffel Bag Boy. By the way, <laughs> by the way, uh, two chains played that song at Movement. By the way, he Did played Duffel Bag Boy. That's hard. That's why I thought it out. Titty Boy. Titty Two oh, Necklace. Shout out to Two Chains, by the way, also, because he just started a podcast with his six-year-old son, Halo, and it's the funniest thing ever. It's just him, like, basically interviewing his son, and it's pretty adorable. Mm. <laughs> um, number 11, I get this for cultural impact, but if I'm talking the best albums of all fucking time in the hip-hop world, you're going to tell me Take Care by Drake is number 11? Yeah. Ah, not yeah, uh, I, I mean not eleven, but I feel like it should be in that top twenty. Should definitely be mentioned on this list. No, it'll be in that top twenty for me. I feel, so I feel like this is what Rolling Stone fucks up. I'll a put lot. it in top twenty. I think this is what Rolling Stone fucks up a lot, and why it in, should be um, industry motherfuckers, rappers themselves, voting on this because I feel like a lot of their list is woven into commercial success over actual like. 
great music being made. Really? Okay, real quick on that tidbit. So this I is do love tw- Take this Care. This is though, uh, we're talking like overall, like top, like forever, like all of all time. time, all time. So I think Take Care would be placed in my top twenty as far as two thousands to now. I would put that in my top twenty. If you do like the top albums from year two thousand till now, no, I would put it in me. there. I would put it in there. Yeah, I, personally, I feel like- it would be like. 18, 19, or something like that, but it would be there. I don't think it would be that fucking high in all-time list for me, though. It's not even making my no. all-time list. It, nope. Take Care would make my all-time list. Drake, Drake has one on there, and that would be I that do one. think that's a good album, though. I do like that. But, like, how are you going to have that one album away from Lauren Hill's The Miseducation of Lauren Hill at number 10? Like, come on. And that's perfectly placed. That's deserving. That's like literally one of the greatest female albums ever. One of the greatest hip hop albums. Straight up. The motherfuckers that like, and the the producers, the collaborators, the contributors to that album. That might be. Yeah, there was some motherfuckers. That arguably is like a top five albums of the 90s in general. Oh, for sure. Um, 1,000%. Of any genre, mind you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, rightfully so. I'm not mad at that one. I'm not mad at that at all. And I'm definitely not mad at number nine either. A low end theory by a tribe called Quest. That totally makes sense to me as two. Those guys were the front some of the front runners of changing style as well and um, leaning into more of like an art rap type of thing and um, being really focused on the musicality behind the the rhymes. You know what I mean? They they or um Q tip was just a mastermind of sampling. I mean, that guy could needle drop on vinyl like no one's business. So, yes, I am a gigantic Tribe fan. Aside from Outkast, they're my favorite rap group that's ever been made. Um, and then speaking of favorite rap groups, number eight is also some shit you can't be mad at. Wu-Tang Clan's Enter the 36 Chambers. Uh, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers, I mean. Um, yes, that one's perfectly placed. We don't need to dwell on that any longer. If you haven't heard that album, you don't fucking even need to be listening to this well, podcast. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> if you don't chew Big Red, then fuck you. <laughs> Number seven, we got Missy Elliott's Miss E So Addictive from 2001. I don't think that's a top ten, dog. I don't agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I, I, I love, love Missy. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I just don't think that's a no, top me ten. me neither. Not, not for me either. Um, I, that's not even my favorite Missy album, which is kind of crazy. So, yeah, I don't know about that one. That one's a little strange for me. I do love Missy, don't get it twisted. But at that time, Missy was like, that album is not really like, well, I mean, I guess it's game-changing because she was definitely making more, mel- like, I guess she kind of ushered in some of that melodic hip-hop shit that we hear today. Because she was or in mumble rap. Back and forth. In mumble rap. In mumble rap. That's a great point. That's a great point. But she was definitely definitely in her creative bag. So I'll, I'll always praise Missy for that. And, I mean, obviously. She I mean, honestly, right. Missy Elliott has probably some of my favorite videos. Speaking of videos, and we're talking about, exi- I was talking about exhibit, what you see is what you get. Missy Elliott had some of my favorite music videos of all time. Oh, absolutely! Big time. And fucking like Hype just Williams visually those, creative, like Hype Williams did most of her videos, right? Yeah, did oh, Busta Rhymes, Busta Rhymes too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, in fact, Hype Williams. Yeah, man, oh, we need to do an episode on Hype Williams specifically. <laughs> yeah, just on videos. Him <laughs> yeah. and uh, Benny Boom while we're at it too. Fuck yeah! Yeah, number six. Neither of us are gonna be arguing at, and 
I think this album is leaps and bounds better than Yeezus. So, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye it's West. my favorite Kanye album. Mine, I, I, hold up, hold up, hold up. Make sure, because I ran out of storage too. I'll make sure this shit's recording <laughs> for this one. So, <laughs> my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by far is one of the greatest produced albums I've heard 100%. in hip hop. And to Kanye me, just from start to finish, like how that album was layered to me, like especially how it goes into uh, fucking Blame Game. I lose like Chris Rock on Blame Game, Blame for game instance. Is so <laughs> That's good. Like, Him and John Legend. Oh my God, I love that song. Kanye did it. Yeezy did it. That was like Nick, that was like our introduction to Nikki, too, right? For the most part. Because Nikki did yeah, the, I mean, Nikki had monster. the intro and she had the, you might be what you perceive. She did. That's that right. was Nikki. And yeah. then she bodied him. And yeah. then. Nikki had the best verse on Monster over Rick Ross, Kanye, and Jay Z. And the funny uh, part is, shit. it's arguably Nikki's best verse and arguably Jay Z's worst verse of all time. <laughs> so it's very funny. They're both on the, that is literally one. They talk about it on Juan Epstein all the time. It's like one of fucking Jay Z. I think I've mentioned it on this podcast plenty of times. Too. Goblins, goons. <laughs> yeah, he just mentions a bunch of monsters. That's it. Uh-huh. You can tell Jay Z phoned that shit in. <laughs> Hell yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did. He was like, "Oh, what's the song called? Monster." All right, I got you. Give me. What actually? Seconds. What What might be the? And mind you, I know you love Hove too, and I love Hove, and I love everything that he's not everything he's done, but the majority yeah, of yeah. Jay Z music is. What's the worst verse? That or the Jail Kanye song? Because I didn't like that verse either. In hindsight. I heard that song. Guess I'm going to jail tonight. Oh, yeah. There's, um, I don't know. I think there's some worse verses than the jail one on Magna Carta Holy oh, Grail. Oh, wait, no. That was, wait, that was Nas calling himself the Crypto Scarface, right? Oh, that was a bad song, too. That <laughs> one. Dude, why do they always fuck up a Nas-Jay-Z collaboration when it's going to happen? It's like, you, why, everyone, why do you like, think? <laughs> same, same reason they dropped the same day. <laughs> what do you but think? They, but, like, <laughs> they, like, the producers can never get it right. They always try to make it this grandiose, like, fucking movie scene-worthy type of production when it's like, they would sound so much iller on just, like, a fucking boom. Like a fucking boom-bap-ass beat. I mean, because they're both, they're both from boom-bap era, so that would... That yeah. would track. Yeah, and it would just sound great. I think that's like what people want. Like, we don't need these grandiose things out of our fucking veterans that we love. But anyways, moving on. Um, number five, I can definitely not complain with at all either. Kendrick Lamar's "To Pimp a Butterfly" from 2015. You're not mad at it. I'm definitely not mad, You're not at, mad it. at it. That's that's one of my favorite albums of any genre of music. So I, you know, I mean, he he's in the. Uh... What do you call it? He got a Nobel Peace Prize for that one, and it's actually no. It was for the next one. He got it for Damn. Was it? I thought it was for Tim a Butterfly. No, it's actually uh, it was. Uh, oh, it was a you Pulitzer know what? Prize. Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nobel Peace Prize. That's <laughs> not it. Uh, <laughs> no, no. To Tim a Butterfly is in the Harvard like catalog. Oh or yeah, something. the Library of Congress. For yeah, sure. yes, it that's what it, that's what it was. Yep. Okay. Um, number four. I'll be honest. I never got into them because they were so militant, and I think. This is one of those cases where if I grew up during the era that they were popular, I probably would have fucked with it heavy because it's basically like um, hip hop's version of punk rock, if you ask me. And that would be Public Enemy. It takes a million to hold. Uh, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back, which it is a phenomenal album. I just never. I know this is gonna sound blasphemy if I say this on the podcast, but fuck it, whatever. I'm open and honest. I never loved the production behind Public Enemy. It was I think, very, very rap rocky, but I like 
I don't know. I think I would have had a different feeling about it if I lived in that era. So, like, going back to me now, and even when I was young, it it always sounded sort of dated. But that being said, Chuck D is one of the most important lyricists that ever happened, and he was writing shit in that time frame that a lot of motherfuckers were not speaking on. So So I'm going in... Cause I, I hear you, especially it definitely sounds dated now, mind mm. you. But like I hear you out on the production at that time. I feel like at that time, because this is like late eighties, early two thousands, yeah, right? Yeah. Or not late eighties, early nineties. Yep. So what I'm thinking is like a lot of that rock and roll was definitely the, the most popular genre at that time, and there wasn't many artists like that were doing things different. Because around that time, we were talking like we were just talking about like rock, Eric B and Rock him. Yeah. That introduced jazz production in the yes. hip hop for sure. Like totally. that's when you heard like more horn sections and stuff like yep. that. Rock and roll and hip hop really didn't have like that love affair quite yet. And we credit like Run DMC and that song with Aerosmith and mm-hmm. stuff like that the as like one of the first ones to do that. Beasties, like a Rick Rubin production and yep. stuff like that. I feel like that particular sound was good for that era. Yeah. And He's as you said, Eric B. Eric B. Probably is yeah. I agree. One of the most important lyricists, probably of all Chuck time. Chuck D. To me, Eric. Not Eric B. Chuck yeah, D. Yeah. We were just talking about Eric yeah, B. Yeah, Rockham, so yeah, my bad. So <laughs> Chuck D. Yeah. Um, I still don't get Flavor Flav. Like as he a was hype just a hype man. man. I, I didn't get Flavor Flav as a hype. I still I mean, don't for what? that particular for what they were going because they were more political and stuff like yeah. that. And just Flavor Flav never made sense in that mix for yeah. me. Which, by the way, I think he's out of uh, Public Enemy now. Well, but they still do shows together occasionally. And I know like Flav and him have definitely had their fair share of drama between the two of them. You know, obviously, Flav doesn't doesn't <laughs> see things as seriously. Like, Chuck is so political, and he's so. Um, you know, so much of an activist. Can, can we can we talk about like flavor of love for a minute? Oh my god! And there's that. Talk, you know what I mean? Can we talk about flavor of love? <laughs> no, we can't. We got no to get to. <laughs> we, we got. I want. I want to. <laughs> I want to talk about flavor of love in a different ep- like episode. Hey, one groundbreaking day. and fucking <laughs> groundbreaking in reality TV too, because that show led to a gajillion of those spinoffs. Spinoffs. New York got love, two seasons. All that love and hip hop. Chance and real. R.I.P. to Chance. Got a spinoff. <laughs> All that love and hip-hop shit you see now, none of that would have been possible without Flavor of Love. Mona Scott probably did all that shit, right? She probably did fucking Flavor of Love back in the day, too, I think. But anyways, that wouldn't surprise I me. I digress. Let's keep moving. I mean, Cardi, Cardi B re- reversed she, reality she TV to that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. All right, moving along. We got the top three now. We are down to Jay-Z's The Blueprint 2001 Not at number at three. I think that's crazy because... I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it, and this is an age-old question, but for my taste, I would flip-flop this. I mean, I'm sure it's on the list somewhere, but I'm not putting Jay-Z's blueprint over fucking Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt. I'm sorry. Oh, Reasonable Jay-Z's on the doubt. list back-to-back? Oh, I mean, I'm sure he's got He's got to be on oh, this okay. voice. I mean, no, I mean, like, like he was three and two. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Right. I'm saying there's no, like, in the top three, Jay-Z's not two or one again, so I'm saying I would have not... Like, I would have flip flopped wherever fucking reasonable doubt is on this list. I mean, it's it's got to be on here gotta, somewhere. All right, but I would have put that at number three. Reasonable doubt, okay. not fucking the blueprint. But I do love the blueprint, and it's you know, 
basically when the world was really introduced to Kanye West because you know he did a lot of this album, Just Blaze did a lot of this album, um, and you know it, it's gone down in history for you know bringing the world, um, not only Kanye but the whole beef between Nas and Jay kind of started around this era. You know he released um, the Takeover and Nas had put out fucking um, Ether, you know, and that was they were, a lot of this album is talking shit about Nas, so. This is like the prime of their beef. And the number two is another one that I would flip-flop. I'm not mad that it's Outcast, but I'm mad at the choice of Outcast. They put number two as Outcast Stankonia. I thought it was going to be Speaker Box Love Below. I thought it would be fucking... I mean, if if you really fuck with Outcast like an Outcast fan should, you're not putting Stankonia over fucking Equemini. I'm sorry, Equemini no. is a better album. I, I Speaker Box Love Below for me... That too. And the reason I would say that is just because that was, yeah. Stankonia was monumental. I'm, I'm gonna let you go for Stankonia. It was. I think Stankonia was monumental because of the three singles that came from it. They were easily the most popular thing that Outkast ever put out, mm. being Miss Jackson, Bob, and So Fresh and So Clean. Like those definitely went crazy for Outkast, but. Mm, uh, this is like my fourth or fifth favorite. Outcast I would, album. and I would make an argument <laughs> for Speaker Box Love Below because Hey Y'all also yes. came on that album, which is That's probably mo- I would say that would be and the way you outcast. move was massive. the way you move. And that uh, roses went, and that album Ro- went diamond. Yes, and on top of that, and I want to throw this out there because this is real music nerd shit. That was the first album Outcast did not get produced by the Dungeon Family. I can't remember. I, I think that was Alan, the first. I think Andre did a lot of his own album. On that, and then I can't remember who did all of. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like. Uh, you might be right. I don't know. Actually, know that. I I know that because that yeah. was the one they did separately from there. Yeah. And yeah, that album did go diamond. That was their double album. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a concept, by the way, I just want to throw it out there like Love Below was probably one of the most darkest albums out there to me too. From like actually like a conceptual standpoint. What do you mean? How? I mean. Hey uh, like if you ever listen to Hey Ah, Hey Ah, Hey Ah, what else was on there too? That song is dark, but it's mostly no, it's mostly Hold a love up. album. No, I mean it's about a, it's a breakup album, the whole fucking album. Not the whole thing. Yeah, it is. No, all of Love Below. That's what's called. There's, love Below. I mean, there's there's definitely it's it's moments on there, but a lot of it is like um you know, the balance of the both. I think like you got you know, mm-hmm. I mean Roses, She's Alive. The letter. Those are those are like breakup songs. Like this whole yeah, album is about def- a bad breakup, dog. I don't think this it's whole, definitely not that think, whole side of the I album. I think the whole the the album is kind of like a whole full spectrum picture of you know uh, falling in love and out of love. You know, it has both sides of it because it's definitely the way the album starts is definitely with a dude falling in love. I mean, there's a whole fucking. No, I'm not. I'm not. Everything. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I'm just saying, like, the actual concept, specifically about the love below section. Mm-hmm. Speaker box, what? Yeah, that was like the more of like the upbeat, like the actual. No, happy I'm speaking time about the like actual that. love below part. Like, it fa- it starts with him like falling in love with this girl and then falling out of love with this girl. So it's kind of like a full spectrum picture on of what what love is. And then okay, but, but back to this list now. Since we're moving on from Outcast, this one I with. 100% equivocally 
agree with being number one best album of all time in hip hop. And that would ready be ready to n- die. Ready to die. <laughs> okay, I'm not mad at it. I was about to say, is it ready to die? I, I thought they were going to do a curveball and do like Marshall Mathers LP or something like that, which me, which Eminem, I wouldn't have been mad at. That's but crazy. Eminem did not make the top twenty. That's crazy. You know? Wait, what? No. Holy shit! I didn't even think about that. Nope. Wow. Eminem didn't make the top twenty. Nasilmatic didn't make the top twenty. There's some bullshit on here. How you could fucking fix your lips? To put Cardi B's Invasion of Privacy over Nas's Illmatic. Fu- Fuji's a score. I can put that, Fuji's throw that the one, score. one up there. I would throw... The fact that they have... So now I've, I've gone... All right, I, we can't do this because we're going to be here all day. <laughs> but because now I've clicked on it. Like, How is late registration fucking... Behind Yeezus, this is this list is fucked. Where's Where's College <laughs> Dropout on that list? I don't know. I can't find it. I can't even fucking. <laughs> That's not good. I don't, don't, <laughs> don't want to dial back like a million goddamn albums, but just remember, as I'm getting heated and, trying to, on that and list? trying to bring myself back down and Tech Nine myself, on the list. I don't know. I, we'll have to look later. <laughs> as I send myself back down to reality, it's just the opinion of 16, 25 year olds. <laughs> Listen, and just to let throw this out there, lists are subjective, guys. This 1, is absolutely 100% subjective. This is the opinion of what 16 people on the panel. You said, yep, 16 people. Uh, and they're about 25 years old. So, yeah. Um, I yeah. Anyway, let's next next topic. Okay, moving on now. Um, so apparently, so you know, I don't watch Drink Champs religiously because, I, if I'm being honest, because he's probably never gonna hear it. I don't think Nori's very great. Stop fucking up the future bags, though. I don't think he's very great at it. I don't think that he's um, very knowledgeable about the stuff that he's talking about sometimes. Um, but that being said, he's entertaining. The show's entertaining because they get the guests drunk. They get drunk themselves. They get so. drunk themselves, and it like um, usually turns into something kind of controversial that they can make a moment out of. But they were supposed to have one that I was really looking forward to, that I was excited for. They actually flew out to Dave Chappelle's house in Ohio to film an episode with Dave Chappelle and Blackstar, most deaf and Talib Kweli, or uh, as you should say, Yasin Bey, um, which is what most deaf's name is now. But that was supposed to come out two weeks ago, and they've now dropped episodes since then that came out, that were supposed to come out after it, before it. And so we have not... Uh, understood or can get any answers on where the fucking goddamn Black Star out Until a- episode is. Now, uh, you have an answer to it? I told you this in the oh, car. Oh, yeah, no, know. the reason is Dave Chappelle didn't want to drop it with all this like shootings going on in the country. Oh, you did. It was a, it was a so he said it wasn't the right time with the social climate right now. So that's why they held off on it. What the fuck would that? Have to, I don't. I don't. Bizarre. He could have said some shit about it. Who knows? He could have said some shit. Oh, maybe he said some crazy ass shit. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's all I. I don't know yeah. what was said, mind you, because I'm waiting on the episode like you yeah. are, but I know that was a reason why that was not released. That's what I'm really, like, actually, um, you know, I haven't listened to the Black Star album yet because I have, I for, keep forgetting I need to sign up for this, you know, Here Luminary podcast, or I need to renew my description. I had it for a month, and then I let it lapse when the album came out. But that Midnight Miracle podcast that Talib Kweli, Most Def, and Dave Chappelle do together is really fucking well done. I wish we had the production value because it is really cool the way they layer stuff in there with like jazz music and stuff in the background. You could like actually hear what they're talking about. It's fucking cool. All right. The exact but, article I'm reading, by the way, uh, is a excerpt from page six. 
Uh, Chappelle recently recorded an interview for popular Booze Field podcast, but sources tell Page Six exclusively that it is on hold because the comedian thought that the timing was right, not right due to uh, current events. Hmm. Interesting. That's what it says right here. Uh, Drink Champs has crowded and landed an interview with Chappelle, 48, as he frequent collaborators with hip-hop duo Blackstar, the show's host, Queens rapper Nori, and Miami hip-hop producer DJ FN. Uh, they, yeah, they pretty much confirmed everything he said. They flew out private, out to the island, or to, out to the compound, and that's where they record the episode at. But yeah, that's why it's not out. Got you. Um, I, I, I hope they originally or they do finally do this because we've been uh trying to hear this for a minute now and i do want to hear what talib and them have to say about you know recording because it's been 24 years since they dropped the first album so i do want to hear what they have to say about it but uh moving on because we are running long now we still got to get to something old and something new um before we do though um i'm actually going to kick it over to e-man because he just covered rodriguez in uh something old something new um what was it, about two weeks ago now, something like that? Yeah, about two, three weeks two, ago. Three it's weeks ago. It's within the month for sure. And kind of how we alluded to on the podcast and what E-Man kind of covered is the fact that it's such a weird story because he, you know, made all this music and was essentially homeless and, you know, struggling hard to, to make a living off it. But unbeknownst to him, um, you know, in other countries, his music was blowing up and making all this Specifically money. Specifically, like, South Africa. Yeah. Uh, he was a legend over there. Yep. So I'm reading an article off The Citizen. Uh, a rel- relatively known, unknown musician in America, uh, specifically, you know, Detroit native, what, what. Uh, during the 1960s, 1970s, musician, musician Sixto Sugarman Rodriguez is finally getting his music royalties decades after his music became the soundtrack to many lives the war-winning documentary came out that came out in 2012 uh searching for sugarman is how the artist became like known like uh locally as well as new zealand and australia by locally i'm talking about uh looks like this article this article is based in like the uk or somewhere around there uh it won an oscar and a bafta award by the way i actually did not know that but yeah, uh, I knew about the Oscar for sure. Let me see. His music was played through generations as his status as a legend was solidified after the mysterious way he reportedly quote died unquote. Wild rumors suggested that the rocker set himself aligned and shot himself. Okay, so it's pretty much rumors that he died and everything like that. Obviously, he's still alive and kicking. He's been hanging around Detroit for decades. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to figure out the lawsuit was filed in the U.S. and the court was filed for his own royalties. So pretty much Rodriguez got there was a lawsuit filed in. Around 1990, like in late late 90s, early 2000s, it looks like. And it just actually came through. So he's just getting paid out. Uh, Wow. Yeah, I'm excited that he's finally getting some fucking money. It's crazy that it's taken like he's, 50 he's, years. He's almost, he's, we're coming up on his 80th birthday yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it was a lawsuit filed by the U.S. court, and he found out he was owed royalties and the settlement was agreed on uh, that will be paid out 
just in time for their 80th birthday. Yeah, shout out to Sisto Rodriguez, man. Uh, yeah. The Sugar Man's finally getting uh, getting the sugar. That would be fucking. I wonder if he would like. We gotta keep our eyes peeled. What if it would be he did like some kind of show in Detroit? That would be so fucking. Tight. That would be the illest <laughs> shit in the world, dog. Uh, that would be so sweet. And for you, I think we um, you know, we played him on the podcast, but for you guys do, do that don't know, he's kind of like the um, the Latin version of Bob Dylan, if you will. He he was very you know like, political funny? in his lyrics, and it was kind of like folky type music. It actually says that Rodriguez got his st- rock star treatment when he toured in uh. San Antonio for not San Antonio essay for several toured out show uh, showed out shows. He was built up to be the next Bob Dylan through the similarities of their sound. However, he was incredibly shy and would turn his back to audiences when he performed. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, me either. Anyways, moving along, we got to get to something old, something new because we are running long as it is. And real quick, feel good story, John Cena. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, just real quick before we get into something new, something new, I just wanted to mention this out because I thought it was cool. Uh, there was a mother and a son who are in Ukraine, and if you guys are familiar with everything that's going on in Ukraine right now, it's a mess. Shout out to uh, shout out to everybody that's trying to survive over there with you know everything that's going on. But in good news, it made me feel good-hearted that uh, there was a couple uh, Ukrainian refugees, a mother and a son, that ran away to uh, the Netherlands, specifically Amsterdam. And he found out that the reason that they wanted to get over there uh, (laughs) looks like it's because her son, who has Down syndrome, is actually a really big John Cena fan. That's awesome. Yeah, and I guess the word of that got out to John Cena and his people, and John Cena flew out to Amsterdam to actually meet the mother and the son out there. Yeah, man. Uh this is this story kind of made because I'm a, you know I'm a big wrestling fan. I also love John Cena. I really enjoyed a story that yeah Misha. I cannot pronounce this last name. Uh, Roshan, R O H O Z H Y N. How would you pronounce that? <laughs> it's definitely yeah. Roshanans is a Ukrainian refugee with Down syndrome. That's uh the son who was confused and stressed about being forced to leave his home in the face of the Russian invasion. I'm reading this off a deadline, by the way. The teen, who was a nonverbal, was told by his mother and his family traveling for a face-to-face meeting with the wrestler and great uh, film and TV star John Cena, Misha's personal hero. The tactic will use... The tactic was used to calm an agitated team, but what happened was straight out of Hollywood. So essentially his mom told him that, hey, if we leave right now, we get to meet John Cena. (laughs) And I guess the word of that got to John Cena and his people, and that's what made him want to come out there. So she used that to kind of lure him to Amsterdam to escape everything that's going on in Ukraine right now. And John Cena actually using like, you know what? Let's make this kid's dream come true. That just man, I fucking love this story. Dog. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's really awesome. Shout out to John Cena for that. Um, but anyways, moving along into something old, something new. As I've been doing on the show for the last several months, I've been chronicling the um the history of punk rock music. And last, you know, obviously we started in Detroit, went to New York, and then last week I landed you guys in London, England with the Sex Pistols. 
and with the explosion of the popularity in the Sex Pistols, shout out to off. FX. Yeah, shout out to FX. They got a show about them right now, which E-Man said the first episode's out? Uh, No, the first couple episodes are out. I've only watched the first episode. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen it at all yet, but I'm excited to see it. But with the popularity of um, the Sex Pistols, um, you know, this whole wave of punk rock and London music came out. And, um, you know, in 1976 was when the Sex Pistols kind of started to take off, and then some other bands formed. And, um, you know, started playing around the scene with them. The Buzzcocks, the Clash, the Slits, the Dead Boys, the Damned, Susie and the Banshees, um, which actually Susie and the Banshees' first live show um, had um, Sid Vicious playing bass for them, which is from the Sex Pistols. But anyways, I wanted to focus on the Clash because they were out of those group of people that I just told you about were the ones that definitely made it the biggest out of all the whole um, London scene, I would say, um, especially with longevity and the way people cherish the music now. Um, so The Clash, they put out their debut album in uh, April 8th, 1977. It is a self-titled album. They wrote it over three weeks in February of 1977. It would go on to reach number 12 on the UK charts and has been included on many retrospective rankings on the greatest punk albums of all time. Um, that was uh, kind of an interesting period because The Clash, you know, they kind of incorporated different elements into punk rock. There was um, even kind of a reggae feel to some of their music, and it was definitely more marketable um, than say a Sex Pistols would be, but the funny part is the Sex Pistols had took a, t- took them on tour that year, you know, to kind of get them out, and they said it was one of the, like the most ill-fated tours ever because it just everything went wrong. Like most of the venues ended up canceling on them because of the violence that would happen at these shows, and the venues would fear violence <laughs> happening at, at some of the ones coming up, so they would cancel it. Sound like hip hop today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it, it uh it definitely wasn't um the greatest tour, but it I mean, one way or the other, it worked out for the Clash. And you know this they've when it comes to punk rock music, you definitely hear the Clash's name probably more than anyone. You know, and they've I'll just play you guys a little bit for for who's uh listening here. Let's see, what should I go for off this one? They were also very like political and um. You know what? Let's go with. Oh, Jesus, it's so hard. That's what she said. (laughs) 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 Fuck it. Since they were, you know, since they were across the pond and, you know, starting a movement in London, let's go with I'm So Bored with the USA by The Clash Mm. (laughs) off their self titled debut album.
And then most notable to say, too, around this time period, the late 70s um, of punk rock, is probably when you got the end of the most um, listenable punk rock music. Because what I'm going to get into next week and when the 80s happened is when a lot of the hardcore shit started. And that is definitely not nearly as marketable. And even some of the guys in it, so I'm going to get into the Bad Brains, which are heralded as like you know one of the most important things that ever happened to the 80s. But I've even seen interviews with the members of the Bad Brains that are like, I can't even fucking listen to my old shit. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, I moved on from punk rock so quickly. Like, like that, I think that's the running theme that I've noticed is how quickly these bands form and disband. You know, it's such a quick movement for all of them. You know, everything was made in such short time periods. And, you know, and then they went on to do other things. But the Bad Brains was the first all-black punk band. And they, according to all the, you know, the guys that I've watched on this documentary, like Flea and all these fucking guys, they're like, when Bad Brains came out, it was game over for everything else. No one was playing faster. No one was playing harder. No one was doing the shit that they were doing, and it like revolutionized the way that this shit sounded. So we will get into that a little bit next week. That's my something old. On to E-Man. All right. So for my something old, Neil, I already gave you a taste of what I was going to do in the car. Yep. Uh, and I remember... You just pulled me aside and was like, hey, have you checked this out? Have you spent more time with this album? And I'm like, I think I listened to it like once and I never really spent much time with it. And then you was like, hey, I got homework for you. You need to go check this album out. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like all right, bro, I will check this album out. So as we were talking about Black Star, uh, I Ooh. went to go check out Black on Both Sides by Ooh. Most Deaf. <laughs> Uh, which was released October 12th of 1999. Uh, yeah, man. From a start, like, it's just like, it's such a, like, hip-hop education album to me. It's just like how, like, the beats break down, how it's like pattern, like, flow patterns are, how the rhyme scheme goes. I mean, obviously, we talk about Miss Fat Booty specifically, like, a few All times, time, like, yeah. a fucking episode. With the Aretha sample and everything. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I used uh, Love in a little clip earlier for this morning on the Instagram and everything like that. Like, I really enjoy this album. Like this, this I'm surprised it's not on that list. By the way, I don't know if it is. Yeah, what? I don't. It's, I'm, it's, it's got to be somewhere on that list. I'm gonna have to explore the whole the rest right. of the 200. But. So <laughs> on February 2000, the album was certified gold by the RIAA. Uh, let's see what other little cool things I can find about it. The album features a mix of established rising producers. DJ Premier provides an instrumental track for mathematics. Diamond D is credited for hip-hop. Uh, Al Shamir Muhammad of a tribe called Quest produced the seventh song, Got. Uh, yeah, man. Hold on. Wait, 80, 88 Keys was on this album, too? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Been I actually did not know that. Wow. Uh... Yeah, Black on Both Sides received universal acclaim from critics. And yeah, it's great, man. As far as like what I've like as far as like it's it's a hip hop education album for yeah. sure. Like as far as like how it breaks down the actual intro of it, like the fear not of man, like it's talking about like how like 
where is hip hop gonna go like going in the future? It's the 1999. Like what's new? Hip hop's going wherever we going. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Wherever we as a people are going, that's where hip hop going cuz hip hop is a culture. Hip hop is a lifestyle. Yep. It's not Damn it, I wish I had my camera. Hip <laughs> 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 hip hop is a and like as far like it's literally like an essence of a person. It's not about the song. I mean, it is about the song. It is about the music. It's about all of it, though. Yeah. It's like a fucking living, breathing thing. And that shit got just got me hyped up listening yep. to the album, even hearing that intro. When I heard, uh, I think "Love" is probably my favorite song about it. Like, it's just like talking about like you really have to fucking love this stuff to be involved in, it. especially how I mean the music industry. I mean, he talks about it then. The music industry was corrupt. That was prior to social media. Oh, yeah. Oh man, that was oh, before yeah. we learned about like monetization and all that mm-hmm. shit. Like it's it's so cool to me. Like this album age just me listening to it practically fresh in 2022 coming out in 1999, it doesn't age. Like it no. did not it did not age for me. Like I could this could have came out recently and I've been like, "Oh man, this shit is still ill." It's uh, also like for me, it's like a masterclass on there's so many different things that are like important as MCing goes and being a rapper goes, and I think it's a masterclass on how to say your rhymes the best. Like, there's so much the way that he, yeah, the way he enunciates, and it's so funny because m- most definitely when he's speaking, like in podcasts, is such a mumbly person, but he's so clear with his diction in his actual rhyming, and like, and the way he will use a pause or, like, the emphasis on the end of a word. Like, there's so many things that he does that is, like, so masterfully done Even to me. Even doing voiceover work, he's mumbly. Like, he did, yeah. what was it, Gangstalicious and the Boondocks? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Was that sure. him? Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> him. Yeah, like, um, man, most stuff is fucking crazy. What should I play them off here? Speed Law. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> Speed Law is so hard, man. It's probably, like, it's probably my favorite on here. Besides, even like controversial tracks like Mr. Nigga, for instance, and stuff dude, like that. Just like Yumi says, like or Umi says for your fucking conscious and your soul and your mind, go listen to that too. Watch it. We'll smash the whole shit up. The way he, the way his verse comes in here, crazy. Slow down. changing fast in these streets, money. Slow down. Watch it. Slow down. Sleeping on the wrong cats. Clear like a megaphone, pretty nigga heart, skip the metronome, rock the trump tower to the pterodome, full house to pleasure dome, soprano alto, tender the baritone, one of the illest that you ever know, rock steady baby, you a stepping stone, smash your foundation in the pebbles, my words leave your nerves unsettled, you take it to the next level down, looking like a circus clown, cats like you can't even get a pound, worldwide from the river to lakeside, my stage show stay live, make the sound man stage dive, I cut fat cats to eight lives with my eight ball lines, I'm on for I'm done with all nine, got you Shook like a fault line. Come on, shine and get tarnished. Brooklyn got your payroll garnished. They form a huddle. Whisper like they want trouble. I melt the ice grills into rainwater puddles. Make the proud harder leave on a humble black steel in the hour. I summon my skill, form a power. My bones grow so into powder. You mumble like a coward. I'm most deaf, you need to speak louder. Superhero. Get your power, your mask, and case snatch. Brooklyn, take what you can't take back. I know a lot of cats hate that. All I can say, black, there's a city full of walls you can post complaints at. All the doubt is in believers adjust your receivers Feel it. you could taste it through the speakers the 360 original sketch lyrics so visual they rip my raw books it's your nearest home video tell them cats they need to sit back and observe, but they God, that one's hard to turn off for me <laughs> yo what was deaf is the best man 
I love absolutely everything that he does. I just saw him playing with Karuchi Band the other day, too. I was like, oh, dude, fucking sick. Amazing. Um, but anyways, moving on to something new for us. I wanted to briefly, but this is not my pick for the week, but I just wanted to offer like some constructive criticism, I guess, about you this about, album. You talking about... Uh, 070. Yep. So, I think this album... And I'm sure there'll be times that I spend with it where I'll enjoy it a lot, you know, where I'm, you know, fading it's not or her like best. loud in someone's car. But I feel like it's not our best. It's no, not our best. Momentous like, Verindy was definitely better. I don't want to yeah, cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. Like, and that, you're right. And yeah. and and um, I think that she. I don't know how, how much she cares, but. If you're a lyricist, and I think that she claims to be one, I think that the mix is a little too much. Like, there's so much effects being used it, on her vocals. Yeah, at it, it all got times. Mike Dean the fuck out. It got <laughs> so Mike Dean out. Like, and that that was almost something. I texted E-Man this actually. I was like, "Is this should I be proud of Mike Dean or 070 for the production on this? Because it's very it's clearly Travis Mike Scott esque right? as far yeah, as like the production. It's stuff. even very Donda. You can hear like the same kind of elements of music that are went into Donda into the production of this, you know, like it's because Mike, Dean I mean, that's loves the, playing guitar. That is kind of the wave though. And, at the same time, yeah. there's songs on this album that I'd really do it. Like the, the, the single that came off of it is really good. Let me actually pull it up real quick. I forget what the single was. Uh, the single on this album was. I do love that she has Christine and the Queen. Skin and Bone. I actually really enjoy Skin and Bone a lot. Yeah. I don't know Christine and the Queen, by the way. French, French artists who are fucking dope. The, I, I put their album, I think it was 2018 it was like made my like top 20 or something like that like she's yeah awesome but um yeah i don't know it's just over produced and i think what made me really feel this way like that really solidified my feeling in that it's overproduced is revisiting kendrick lamar's last or his newest album and the reason i'm bringing that up and as we said we were going to you know as we get more time to spend with it what's so incredible to me about Kendrick as an artist and his producers that work on his music is they really know when to let the beat drive the song and then they know when to make it minimalistic to where you want to be focusing on what Kendrick's telling you that you know there's tons of breaks in Kendrick's album where it'll it'll go crazy production wise it almost sound electronic in certain times and like real dancey but that's usually when he's not rapping and when he's rapping They'll kind of draw that back a little bit so you can focus your energy on what he's saying. And with this, all of it is so high energy, so many effects, so much synth, so much guitar. Like, it's it's hard to, like, get into anything that she... I, I can't remember a single fucking lyric from the album. I really cannot. Um, But... I don't produ- know. I, it's very production heavy than it yes. is lyric heavy, and, and I, I'm sure I, like I, I, I agree on that a hundred percent. Like yeah. how it got mixed, I don't know. It's just like very. You can tell Mike Dean put a stamp on it. Yes. It's very high production. It's very Travis Scott esque, and yes. I would say like it's yeah. very like the like the beats in the production and the sims and Travis, all that Travis stuff. Scott, like 
really overpowers the vocals for me, and I, I agree with you on that aspect of yeah. it. However, just like vibing in my headphone, if I'm like vibing, like driving or vibing in my headphones, I'm not gonna be mad or having it in the background yeah. or something like that. It's not a bad album. Right. It's just I'm not looking at that album for the lyrical content on my first run. Right. I don't want to give a full breakdown on it because I only listened to it once, but. That's my initial takeaway from the 070 Shake album is like I definitely enjoy it having it on in the background. Yep. Say I'm driving, say I'm in the game, say I'm playing the game, say I'm in the gym, say I'm like at a party, something like that. Uh, listening into my headphones though, I, if I listen to something with headphones, I'm trying to listen to lyrical content. Yeah, me too. 100%. And I didn't get that with this particular album. That's yeah, what I I'm agree saying. With you. I agree with you. And you know, and the only reason that we're even usually if we don't like an album, we're not gonna talk about it, but we we see so much. Because I like O seven O Shake. We both like her. She is yeah. a she's a great performer. I could mm-hmm. we could say that firsthand. Yes. I fucking love that like that uh Momentus Vervendi, like that album mm-hmm. was on my top favorite five of that year, I remember. I think we mm-hmm. talked about that like when it came out. Was it last year or two years ago? I think it was yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty. Top of twenty twenty. Definitely one of my favorite albums of twenty twenty. I just and I don't and it's not that I didn't like this album because I did enjoy it when I listened to it. It's just that my on my first listen takeaway, I it was just overproduced, like yep. you said. That's yep. it. But moving along, um, there is one more each that we want to get to. I'll kick it over to E Man um, for his something new, and then I have one as well. Mm, all right, so I got a couple albums I checked out. I'm going to talk about this particular one because I didn't know who she was. And I just picked it up because of the producer on it, <laughs> mind you. And I found out about this uh, this this female artist by the name of Dreezy. Oh, has yeah. has this album called Hit Girl that is exclusively produced by Hit Boy. Yeah. So how am I not going to press play on that, <laughs> right? I'm like, Hit Boy has been slaying everything he's touched. Everything. Like, literally everything. Like, he is responsible for bringing, like, I feel like he is responsible, not my, and, Neil, I'm not saying this is blasphemy when I say this. He's responsible for bringing Nas, like, to, like, the younger, like, the TikTok era generation. You're not wrong in that at all. As far as, okay. I I would say that he is responsible for that, like, his production style and everything like that. Cool. All right. I know we've had heated debates about Nas production (laughs) before, and I don't want to, I didn't want to trigger you. No, that's that's accurate. That's 100% accurate. Dog, I fucking love this album. <laughs> I didn't know who Dreezy was, and it was like, I love when it's an artist that I don't know, and I didn't click on this because of the album art, because the album art is kind of like anime. But she looks pretty but, good. But, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Hello, but I'm Dreezy. Like, I'm like, all right, <laughs> Hit Boy exclusively produced this album. This cannot go wrong for me, no matter who the fuck. It, if Hit Boy is working with you, you got to be dope. <laughs> yeah. And I was not disappointed. Like, from lyrical content, obviously production is going to be on point. Lyrical content to the actual songs, to the actual breakdown of it, it's very... It, it it very reminds me of like a little Kim like Foxy Brown s style where like you got like that sexiness to it, but it still like got you some bars. Yeah, yeah. So I really enjoy it. Uh, she got uh, I guess she is she's from Chicago. Okay, she, she got Future on here, Jeremiah, Coyla Ray. Uh, I don't know who Ink is, but some pretty like Kid Ink or Ink. It just says Ink. Okay, but um. Let me pull. You know what else is interesting about the album cover? Not often, even any of the motherfuckers that have done these joint albums with Hit Boy have actually put him on the album cover. That's like, true. A picture of him. Very, <laughs> that's very true. And she definitely did that. Well, so. I feel like Hit Boy 
it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to classify this as probably his artist at this point. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't. He well, no, well she's on uh, Dreezy Sound Inc. Empire. Okay, so she's got her own shit, but it's like a distribution deal with Empire. Got it. All right. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy this project, man. I think more people should listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, what should I serve up for the peoples? Ooh, you know what the you know what's funny? The Coily Ray track is actually pretty dope. I she's kind of growing on me a little <laughs> bit, bro. I'm not gonna lie. But um, yeah, let's play that. All right, so let's play. I Bal- didn't like Coily Ray's actual album, by the way. I just I want to throw it out there. That. It came out. They coming recently. And we don't talk about albums we don't like, but since Coily Ray's on this list, I'll just mention that. Yeah. It was it was it's definitely not I wasn't the target demographic. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, that, I that's the best that. way to describe it. All right. Well, anyway. well, here, here's a little bit of balance out my lows out of Dreezy um produced by Hit Boy and featuring Coil Ray. Tryna balance liquor with my lows. Yeah. Going through some shit that no one knows. Every time that I was down, I lift my dose. Yeah. Niggas act like bitches and it shows. Yeah, 40 on my hip, might let it blow. Ay. Yeah, no Listerine, I pull up with that scope. Yeah, mm. Dior denim fitting for my coat. Mm. I feel like Rocky with my back against the ropes. Yeah, get into the money, I need more. More money, more problems, stay in my comments, guess I'm okay. the topic. Yeah. I want you here, but all that I ask is you to be honest. Yeah, brand new rollie for the Maurice, yeah, it's full of diamonds. Me and Dream, that shit ain't peas, I know what the time is. That's boy right there. Like so I gotta hear what Dreezy sounds like. I used to put this shit on layaway. Now we gonna see better days. Skip ahead a little bit. Oh, well, I guess like they balance off each other. Yeah, no list of ring, I pull up with that scope. Dior denim fitting for my coat. Mm. I feel like Rocky with my back against the ropes. Yeah, getting to the money I need. Reminiscing on you, fuck niggas. I still don't regret it. You might never give me props. Bank still give me credit. Try to put you on game when really I was on a new level. Pain I can't forgive, but them lessons turn me to a Trying legend. Trying to balance liquor with my lows. Going through some shit that no one knows. Definitely has a West Coast vibe to it as well. I like that. Wait, where Coily Ray? Where's Coily, Coily Ray from? She's from New York. She's fucking Benzino's son. Well, a daughter. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I meant. I'm mean, gonna say like, well, that's why I say West Coast. Like, well, I guess Hit Boy's from the West Coast. So yeah, Hit Boy. I'm saying the, okay. the beat definitely sounds like West Coast his, to me. Yeah. All right. Oh, I like that though. Okay, on to my something new before we wrap this motherfucker up. And that would be out of French Kiwi Juice, a.k.a. FKJ. Is that what that stands for? Yeah. I actually never knew that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure why. I mean, French Kiwi Juice, I don't know what the fuck that means. But um, he is phenomenal. If you've never heard me talk about him on this podcast before, he is one of the types of dudes that um, is very much like Masego. They have actually worked together um, where they, you know, loop everything and do everything themselves. That shit is insane to me. It's so talented, and it's so well done, and, you know, he's got this new project called Vincent, and it is definitely um, more relaxing and more of, like, a summer vibe, but, man, it's just so well done. He's got great production on here, great um, features on here. He's got fucking Carlos Santana on a track. He's got Little Dragon, who, in my opinion, is... um, 
I called it the other day on my story of feature cheat code because she's guaranteed to make your song better. Um, and then also Toro Imoy. So we've been talking about him on the podcast. He's also on here um, with a phenomenal ass track. And I just can't say enough good stuff about him. This guy plays saxophone. He plays piano. He plays bass. He plays guitar. He plays everything. <laughs> like it's crazy. Um, I'll just give you a little um taste of it here. Just know when you're listening to this, every part is written and recorded by himself. He's much like Stevie Wonder. Like it's crazy to me. I'm, I'm not giving him that much praise. He's not Stevie Wonder, but. But he's still amazing, and I'm a giant fan of his. I cannot wait to see him again. I'm going to play you a little bit of the clip of the track with Toro Imoy because we love him, and here's a little bit of that. It's called A Moment of Mystery. incredibly good at fucking piano too that's Toro singing he's not much of a he sings sometimes but he usually will like throw some effects on his voice or something like that but um this is one of the more calm ones on the album I just am such a giant fan of it um but yeah that's what I got for you guys right now um E-Man is there anything else we need to cover before we get out of here I do I'm gonna talk about the turnstile um uh, oh, get shit. You're, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm going to yeah. talk about it next week. Okay, I, should we save it for next week? Yeah, I'm going to save that for next week. Okay. It's fucking great, though, on okay. my first listen. Uh, I do want to listen to so I yeah. do want a quick shout out, and I forgot the name of the fucking beer tender. Uh, I was at Arctic Circle. Shout out to Eric. Shout out to Devin. I was out there uh, last week, and one of the uh, one of the bartender, or beer tender, I should say, uh, he turned me and actually Frost, because Frost was with me, 
uh, he was talking about a couple bands, and one of them was Turnstile, who actually just dropped a new album. Now, he actually got to see, he saw them live. Oh, nice. And he was like, they're fucking great. Like, if you guys are looking for a rock artist to check out or stuff like that, that's one you should check out. I did manage to check out their album, and oh, my God, dude. Just like the couple, I mean, the couple songs I played for yeah. you, you were feeling, but yeah. Turnstile's, uh, let me give it up. They dropped this new album called Glow On. Actually, no, it's not a new album. It came out in 2021, so last year. So new to me. Yeah. Uh, it's solid, man. I it, heard that. I've heard so many uh, good things about that. a couple features with Blood Orange, too, on it. Oh, shit. Yeah, Blood Orange is on track nine and 15. Shout so, out Dev Hines, man. I love yeah, Dev Hines. Man. So I want to give you guys a breakdown on that one next week. I really Yeah, I want to get a cha- yeah. chance to listen to it, too. And some of the stuff that he played for me reminds me of a band that i was a big fan of in the early 2000s called sparta um which i will play for you guys a little bit next week too which will be part of my something old even though i'm still doing this punk rock thing sparta was kind of in that fucking vein of punk rock music so it'll all work out perfectly and i'm excited for that um and then to leave you tonight since you know the theme of what we've been playing a lot of these songs on our breaks for you guys have been local shit you know we gave you john connor dre dav and then another artist that we love, we've been trying to get him on this podcast. I think one day it's going to happen when we can get our scheduling correct. But that is out of one of our favorite rappers, Courtney Bell. He just dropped a new video and a song called One Life to Live, and it is really dope. Um, so we will leave you with that. Um, here's a little bit of Courtney Bell for you guys, and we will catch in with you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Crystals keep my spirit in alignment. All my chakras shining. I've been facing trauma. They love you when you broken, but they hate you when you popping, bitch. I've been in my head. I've been dancing on the edge. Anti-social when I go through shit. I leave my phone on red. Hey, hey, got in my bag a bit. Hey, show 'em what passion is. Hey, go where the trappers live. Hey, I'm from where they traffic bricks. She could never turn me on. She lived like a rolling stone. Bad, but she don't got no home. Uh, 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 uh. Niggas all cap, cap. No gangsta, just rap, rap. If it's really that, they gon' wipe your nose, no slack. Slay, they wanna see me there, yeah. Standing on this ledge, yeah. I've been in my head, yeah. I've been yeah. in my head, Money, yeah. but more problems in the feds, yeah. Messages on red, yeah. I got one life to live, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They wanna see me there, yeah. Standing on this ledge, yeah. I've been in my head, yeah. I've been yeah. in my head, Money, but more problems in the feds, yeah. Messages on red, yeah. I got one life to live, yeah. yeah.
Doc, that line right there. I, I bought a chain trying to. Oh my god, I love that line so much. This image shit fucking sucks. Oh my god, keeping appearances fucking sucks so hard. Oh. Good night, everyone.